team stand up welcome into the spot brought to you by true north fantasy football and monkey knife fight this is the place to be on saturday nights the true north crew is in the house we actually have our first guest in the spot this week we're super excited about that and it's the second episode of our saturday night live sessions i am trav i'm rocking out as always from dirty laundry studios you can find me at tcl14 um, I am joined by the True North Research Demon himself, Tyrell McLaughlin. You can find him on Twitter at TNFF Tyrell. Ty, what's going on tonight, my man? Living the dream, living the dream. Absolutely, me too. And then we've got Brian Bailey, uh, writer and contributor for True North. You can find him at the FF Aviator. Brian, how are things doing up at your, your altitude tonight? <laughs> it's good, man. It's good. Not very high, though. I'm just Vancouver, which is sea level. <laughs> well, that was actually both uh, that was both a pilot joke and a tall guy joke, actually, is what that was. Oh, uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> Sorry, Ty. Oh, yeah, smoky sky people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, we've got uh, from out in Calgary, Alberta, the home of mine and his Calgary Flames and delicious beef products. We've got uh, Julian, <laughs> Julian Barnett. You can find him at the point after FF. Jules, how you doing out there, brother? I'm great, man. I uh, had a good time. I was hanging out with Will earlier, and I'm excited to get at it with you boys. Absolutely. And what Julian is referring to there is the point after fantasy football podcast with himself and usually with his partner, Aaron, but Will was able to fill in tonight. So uh, be on the lookout for that to re release sometime tomorrow as well. Um, and then last but certainly not least, our guest of honor for the night, he... Uh, he's a part of True North's extended family. He is one of the creators of Sons of Dynasty. You can find them at Dynasty Sons, and you can find this man at D Brown FF88. We got Daniel Brown. Great to be back in the lab with you tonight, brother. Appreciate you guys having me back in, man. I'm excited to uh, talk some football with you guys tonight. Yeah, it's always a good time when we get deep round on the stream. So I'm um, excited to fire into it real quick. I'm going to I'm going to let Ty kind of lead us into the week, gentlemen, uh, get us started on this week nine adventure that we're about to journey on. Uh, but first, I want to give a couple quick shout outs. One is to uh, a friend of Ty and mine from high school. He is a Canadian hip hop artist and he goes by Transit 22. Julian, he's actually out in your neck of the woods. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he's out in Calgary. So I just want anybody who's listening or or watching to uh, go check out Transit 22 on Spotify or wherever you listen. Um, his new single is called Open Blinds, and it's a really good one. And, and uh, we're just kind of trying to help him pump it up. He's a fantasy football guy himself. So uh, the second shout out that I wanted to do is with our partners over at Viridian Global. Of course, they are sweeping the nation. I actually have one of the brand new Viridian Football Collective t-shirts on right now. And uh, the Viridian Football Collective is a group of uh, fantasy football brands that Viridian um, does all the merch for. Will and Mark are doing great work over there. You can find brands such as the Undroppables. Uh, you can find the Fantasy Football Astronauts, Dynasty Happy Hour, um, our friends at Goat District, and many more. 
Uh, so go check out ViridianGlobal.com and get yourself some gear. Uh, check out the Viridian Football Collective. Okay, Ty, after uh, all my yap in there, I'm going to kick it over to you, man, and get you to lead us into week nine of our fantasy football week or seasons. Yeah, and I we all love week nine. Like, we're through the unofficial halfway point of the season, more than halfway through our fantasy season. And woefully, boys, we're through uh, the trade deadline. I was hoping we get to, to chat about a few guys on new squads, but nope. And, of course, the war of attrition is in full force. That rhymes, Marge. You know it rhymes. Admit it. So we have lots to sift through here tonight, I think. Lots of good stuff on the menu. We're going to hit all the matchups on tomorrow's slate. My rant is kind of to emphasize the litany of players and situations that are in flux right now, even sitting here on Saturday night. Like, we don't know. We have to kind of make tough decisions in a lot of these situations. So for the games, we'll hit the episode rundown. We'll hit betting lines, game totals, weather if need be, which I don't think there's many... uh, weather conditions that we have to battle tomorrow but all the top storylines and themes inside of each matchup will offer all the matchup info and data and we will be uh, we'll be talking mostly like start decisions start sits and looking at the expert consensus rankings versus you know my boys around us here and some buy and sell stuff so for the players we'll make sure we cover all the injuries the ambiguity and we'll marry that with all the info uh, all the information for the matchups even though uh you know, if we talk about matchup info, I'm thinking about Jamichael Hasty on Thursday Night Football. The 49ers have scored the most PPR points as a running back position this year. And the team uh, who had allowed the most fantasy points to the running back position this year was your Packers, Jules. And Trav, do you have a monkey knife fight challenge for us tonight? Yeah, I'm going to kick in somewhere on the star shootout. I haven't, uh, I haven't quite decided exactly where I'm going to kick in, but I'll just rudely interrupt and we'll dive into uh, some DFS player props with monkey knife fight and see if we can make a little cheddar. <laughs> totally. And you know what else? I'm just thinking like we mentioned everything the teams are dealing with, you know, in the NFL, there's COVID and injuries and everything. And one thing that's different for fantasy is injuries, COVID, like a bye week is a cold pillow, which is great if anyone didn't know, but for fantasy owners, a bye week is kind of the worst. And in week nine here, there's about like 10 solid fantasy starters on by. So really quick, the Rams, Eagles, Browns, and Bengals are on by. So Rams, you got a couple wide receivers in Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, the Yak Twins. No Daryl Henderson at running back. No Goff and Superflex. Your Eagles are on by. Any break from any NFC East team is a treat for fans of good football, though, right, Trav? <laughs> but, I'm, not, uh, I'm not debating that, to be honest. Do you think, do you think Dallas Goddard is coming back out of the Eagles by, Trav? Mm, I think I think it's looking like he might, but I'm not quite sure. I haven't got much report on that yet. I'm really eager to see once we get through the Monday game and we see the practices from next week because uh, I'm hoping for me he's a key piece on some of my rosters moving forward. But uh, time will tell. That team's been kind of ravaged. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and so good timing for their bye week. None, nevertheless, allowing 100%. them to just, yeah, they're going to get really healthy. Jalen Rager, Miles Sanders. I think Zach Ertz will be back within like the next few weeks too, for whatever that's worth. So yeah, <laughs> extra nice to see Dallas got the tight end too. Awesome. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and the Browns. So Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb's a big guy to monitor because he could be back as early as Week Ten. And Sands Odell Beckham uh, Jr., who's just a goner for the season, right? Uh, they actually they have a lot of guys battling injuries, so they're another team who, who could use uh, the bye week. And speaking of which, the Bengals, maybe owners are looking for a quarterback this week. Uh, Burrow has been a legit starter for fantasy owners. And the volume, the schemes in Cincinnati, that's all led to Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, both to be in fantasy lineups every week. And A.J. Green, you know, he's, he's there. He's just not getting it done. Uh, but, you know, Joe Mixon is another guy that 
fantasy owners will be very happy to get back in week 10. Uh, so why don't we just dive in here, guys? The first game, let's start with the Carolina Panthers at the Kansas City Chiefs. So this is a 10 a.m. Yeah, 10 a.m. game on the West Coast, 1 p.m. out there in the East. And the Chiefs are 10 and a half point favorites at Arrowhead. So, guys, this is a big spread for the 7-1 uh, Chiefs at home against 3-5 and five Reeling Panthers. But Kansas City is 6-2 and two against the spread this season. And the Panthers are 4-4 four and four against the spread under new rule. So I don't think this is like a game that pops off the board. What stands out to me as we go under the fantasy lens is definitely the running back storylines on both sides, right? This is the return of Christian McCaffrey, the fantasy GOAT. And in Kansas City, we've seen plenty of Le'Veon Bell since he joined the team. You know, was it just a revenge game, you know, since uh, they were playing the Jets last week and Adam Gase? Or should we actually be concerned about Clyde edwards Lair? We're going to dive into that. But before we talk about the players, everything trickles down from the score, obviously, in fantasy. So how many points are going to be scored in this game? I want to ask about the total because this feels like a pretty narrow range of outcomes matchup here. Kansas City is just a high-powered offense. Their defense has been excellent this year against the pass in total scoring, forcing turnovers. Meanwhile, the Panthers, led by Titty Bridgewater, might have a hard time keeping pace. Their bottom 10 in points scored on offense, you know, under 22.5 points per game. Chiefs are comfortably over 30. So this game, the total is 52.5. Are we smashing the under here? I'll go to you, Jules. What do you think? Man, this sounds it's a tough line. I actually think this hits the over. Um, you know, I think 53 points is possible. Um, we, you know, when you you look at this past um, Thursday and those garbage time points for San Francisco, I think that that's something that can happen here. And those points still count when it comes to, to betting. So I'm going to take the over on this one. I think Pat Mahomes is, you know, it's Pat Mahomes, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to say much there, but um, yeah. Yeah, so let, let's start with these road dogs. Let's start with Carolina. Russell Oku, the Panthers' left tackle, he's doubtful for tomorrow. Just a little note. Uh, it's the only really bigger injury note for Carolina. And both these teams actually are kind of run-funnel defenses, and that's where I want to start. Uh, do you guys think, like, so getting Christian McCaffrey back, we love this new exciting coaching staff, some of the electricity we've seen from this offense, the schemes, creativity, and for fantasy, like Christian McCaffrey inserts immediately back into running back one slots, but... There's been other fantasy players crushing it for the for the, for the Panthers, and Carolina is alongside the Rams and the Seahawks is the only teams with multiple wide receivers in the top 16 right now in fantasy. So I want to go to you, D Brown, because it's pretty close to your neck of the woods. Do you think with McCaffrey coming back, like, what are we doing with Robbie Anderson? What are we doing with DJ Moore? Or is this just a shot? Like, are we worried about those guys, or is this a shot in the arm for the whole offense? Uh, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, while CMC might siphon a little bit of volume away from uh, Robbie Anderson and the other receivers, I think just the opportunity and what CMC provides, you know, from a, you know, play by play basis uh, is going to open up plenty of other opportunity for the others still to be successful, even with a, a slight ding in the volume, perhaps. But, you know, Mike Davis has uh, played pretty admirably in CMC's absence. And while CMC is the goat on that team, Mike Davis is still probably going to see anywhere, you know, from 10 to 12 touches a week, I think, moving forward. So while CMC might not get the volume he was getting originally last year, I think Mike Davis is still going to kind of be a thorn in his side. But, uh, you know, I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to stand to benefit the most out of anybody. 
uh, just having CMC, having that weapon to be able to use out of the backfield. And the Panthers have to feel good about knowing when CMC comes off the field that they're they're sending Mike Davis out there who who's perfectly capable and he's shown that. So, you know, all in all, I think it's good for the uh, Panthers offense moving forward, even though CMC is going to come back and pr- probably get a little bit more uh, attention in general. Yeah, and I, I think it's good for Christian McCaffrey, too. Like, you think about this offense, you mentioned it's just much better. And the, this team's on pace for far more red zone trips, far more red zone touchdowns. Why do I find that interesting? Because Christian McCaffrey, we all know, was about 10 points shy of breaking LaDainian Thompson's record last year for the best fantasy season of all time. Christian McCaffrey did that on 14 fewer touchdowns than LaDainian Thompson had during his majestic campaign. So that's pretty incredible. That's wow. Brian. <laughs> Brian, are you are you kind of with D Brown here? Because I'm kind of with him too. Do you think Mike Davis factors in, uh, or do you think this kills Mike Davis for fantasy? Uh, I, I, for the most part, I think it's going to kill him. Like he's going to come in, he's going to get his touches in trying to spell McCaffrey off. I think they they're probably not going to rush McCaffrey back to like 99 percent of the snaps like he was doing before maybe try and like ease them in just a little bit, you know, coming off that injury and know that they're going to be able to get like 80, the low point, 80% of what McCaffrey is going to give to them when they have to spell them out. You know, they're just going to help make that uh, whole offense just be move a little bit easier and keep people fresh and still move the ball. Totally. And I I think it is like probably, you know, somewhere in the middle for expectations. And I think there is a path like if Christian McCaffrey can play out of the slot, Mike Davis can play out of the slot. They've both been very good there. And we know we love Joe Brady passing game, uh, the offensive coordinator in Carolina. So I I think it's likely it's not possible, but it's likely. And I think I would have if Curtis Samuel didn't blow up last Thursday against your Falcons, D Brown, I would have thought a lot differently. Let's put it that way. So, Travis, I'll ask you, because he quietly has just four fewer catches than DJ Moore right now. But was week eight an aberration against the Falcons or is Curtis Samuel a guy we should be getting into our PPR lineups this week? I think getting into our lineups is a little bit strong, especially with Christian McCaffrey coming back there. And I'm uh, just to flip back to the Mike Davis talk. I'm a little bit lower than you guys thinking that it might be like six to 10 touches as opposed to 10 to 15 for Mike Davis. But um, I think that just adds more touches to Christian McCaffrey and less touches for Curtis Samuel, because we saw in that game that Curtis Samuel was in the backfield like a fair bit. He was running some plays out of the backfield. And I don't think he's going to be doing that with both McCaffrey and Mike Davis healthy. Um, So I think the spot for him would be the slot or kind of moving around on some jet sweeps and stuff. So I don't think I'm putting him in my lineup this week, especially against that KC defense. But um, I mean, if you're, if you're hurting or if you're in a really deep flex league, I could see you putting him down at the bottom of that starting roster. But um, I like to think that most people might have a better flex play than Curtis Samuel this week. Yeah. And I just, I think he's quietly creeping into that wide receiver three conversation. Like he's technically a top 36 wide receiver in PPR right now, but we look at expert consensus ranking. They definitely agree with you, Trav. See Sam is the wide receiver 42 in ECR. And this is a game that Carolina will be passing, but it's weird. Like Kansas city is not allowing a ton of pass attempts, especially when you consider that teams are always playing uh, from behind against them. So that was the easy Panthers wide receiver question. D Brown, what do you think about DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson? I actually want to go around the horn and just ask really quick. What do you guys think rest of the season? Which one do you want more? And are either top 12 wide receivers in PPR like going forward? I mean, as a big time dynasty, uh, you know, I've got, I've got a lot of shares of DJ Moore. So, uh, you know, my tendencies want to lean towards DJ Moore. He's a better prospect, but 
if we're talking redraft here, I think Robbie Anderson's the answer. And as much as I love DJ Moore, and that hurts to say, uh, Robbie Anderson has been nothing short of spectacular in his time in Carolina. Uh, Was a great value this offseason in Dynasty Startups. He was going super late. Weren't, nobody was really sure what his role was going to be in Carolina uh, other than maybe a field stretcher. And he's come in and shown that he's much more than a field stretcher. They're, uh, they've got him running all sorts of routes, short, intermediate stuff, stuff that we weren't really seeing him uh, do in, uh, with the Jets. And so Robbie Anderson's been, been great, and I got to give him the nod as the wide receiver one as of right now in Carolina. And I do love DJ Moore, but Robbie Anderson has shown that his big playability is going to keep him uh, the 1A for me currently. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chime in there just to add to what D Brown said, because I am team Robbie rest of season as well. The guy is a top 10 wide receiver in PPR right now. Um, so the proof is kind of in the pudding there for me. He's top 10 in targets and receptions. He's number three in receiving yards um, and he's number 11 in air yards. So he's getting lots of opportunity. And like D was saying, he gets a little bit of the different work this year. If you look at his uh, average depth of target, it's 10 yards, which is 60th in the league, which isn't very Robbie Anderson of the past of him um, and then he's even getting a little bit of yards after the catch on some of those short and intermediate routes at uh, top 24 in yak per reception so uh, i am with you d i am team robbie anderson and just looking at his weekly finishes there could be a little bit of a buy window for redraft players right now for robbie anderson because the past three weeks he has been a wide receiver three or worse um, so if anybody's a little bit down on him thinking the beginning of the season was a mirage i might go <clears throat> We'll see if I can acquire him on those start three wide receiver teams. So that, that that's kind of interesting. Like, I'm curious if this is kind of our wide receiver two in our lineups, you know what I mean? If it's Robbie or DJ Moore and you're setting, say, a cash lineup in DFS, are you chasing like the upside wide receiver? Jules, uh, I'll ask you, like, do you chase the wide receiver with the higher ceiling or do you want the safer, more risk averse option? And do we know even which is which? Because like D Brown and Trav are talking about the roles have kind of flipped. Like DJ Moore has more air yards than Robbie Anderson right now. Yeah, no, you kind of hit the hit the nail on the head there. I think that um, they're both. You know, I, I don't really know which one is the upside guy. You know, I, last week we saw um, we saw DJ Moore have some big plays, and then you know down the stretch, but he didn't get involved at all early in the game. And you know, Robbie looks to have the trust of Teddy Bridgewater and. Not, I'm starting to lean that way too. I think this is the guy to own in that offense for the rest of the season, but that doesn't mean you can't play DJ Moore. I just think, you know, I think there's a world where both these guys are top 20 wide receivers and you know, it, it ends 14 and 19, you know? Yeah. I, and I, I think we're all kind of meeting the same conclusion. I think we all agree there. That's for sure. Uh, you know, Trav, you mentioned the, the matchup this week. I think this is the week where these guys could start to fall down a little bit just because it, the Chiefs have given up the third fewest air yards on the season, for example. <laughs> we talk about both these guys are top 12. And they allow just 10 catches per game, just 128 yards receiving per game to this this year to the entire wide receiver position. And my point is the coverage, I think, is going to be really important in this game. Like, against the Chiefs, Chiefs, Robbie Anderson has a really good matchup against probably Tredavious Ward, whereas DJ Moore probably sees a ton of Brashad Breeland, who has just mm-hmm. been absolutely lights out this year. It must be the ganja. Uh, and Curtis <laughs> Samuel, Curtis Samuel, by the way, gets the honey badger this week. So third toughest matchup for wide receivers in fantasy this season. But kind of like Jules alluded to, like you're not dropping these guys much <clears throat> lower than 20. And both mm-hmm. these guys are top 16 in expert consensus ranking. So I don't know. 
Uh, let's let's go to the Chiefs here. Let's try and go a little quicker because Mahomes is hot and Mahomes is arguably the number one overall player in a super flex league this week. And you speak of number ones, you have Travis Kelsey, who might be the most valuable player in fantasy football right now. Pro- you know, prove me wrong, children, who after the <laughs> season will also be talking about a guy who's finished as the tight end one overall for half a decade straight, I think. But before we talk about these guys uh, in this high powered offense, Trav, do you by chance have the injury reports up for the Chiefs here? Yeah, so um, like water is wet, Sammy Watkins is missing this week. He will not play. <laughs> In perpetuity. Uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, no surprise there that Sammy Watkins, but this is actually a pretty clean game as far as injuries. Like we got Christian McCaffrey coming back, obviously. And then um, for the Chiefs, Sammy Watkins, you're not missing a whole lot. Um, and then the backfield looks like it's pretty good to good to go. So I uh, know pretty clean for this one. Nice. And I, I do know that Kansas City's a little banged up in the trenches. I can't remember. I think Mitchell Schwartz is back as he needs a backyotomy there and Frank Clark on the <laughs> on the defensive side. Tyreek Hill, though, guys, uh, you were definitely starting him confidently as wide receiver five and ECR DFS play always. Uh, but I did want to bring one thing up. Last week, he again came up shy of 100 yards receiving in week eight. Just but he scored twice, and if we include his rushing touchdown against the Raiders this season, that's eight touchdowns in eight <clears> games for Tyreek. But zero games over 100 yards receiving this year. That's 14 straight games now for Tyreek Hill without hitting the century mark. So, Brian, are you worried about how touchdown-dependent Tyreek Hill has been this year? Or like, could he see a stretch of down games if the touchdowns go away down the stretch? Uh, no, I'm not really worried about it right now. He, he is sort of what he is. He's a high variance player. You know, last year, uh, he was a wide receiver three or lower in 50% of the games. You know, you, you know what you're getting with Tyreek Hill. Uh, like you said, wow. he hasn't hit over a hundred, uh, yards yet this year. Uh, but he has that ability to, really blow up a game you know he can get 80 yards on one pass you know he he can give you those weeks where he can win you the week uh i think he's still a wide receiver one going forward but if you drafted him i hope you drafted someone else that will give you that stability to take up for having tyree kill in your lineup you know like one of our boys tyler boyd you know the both of you and I were really high on coming into this season. You know, you got him late. He's going to take up the slack for those up and down weeks to the Tyree kill, you know? That is all very perfectly put. I couldn't have put anything better myself. So boys, who are we betting on in this backfield? I really thought Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would be a stud fantasy running back this season, but Le'Veon Bell is here now. Uh, much to my chagrin, much to my fantasy lineup chagrin. And we we really have seen Lev cut into his workload. Like, he's running a ton of routes right yeah. now. And I'm not sure how much we want to take away from a New York Jets game against Kansas City. But both backs split down the middle, just nine touches. But it is, you know, that's a game where Kansas City was able to do whatever they want. And it was against the Jets who just released Lev. Maybe they gave Adam Gase's whipping boy a few extra touches. Or maybe he is working into the offense, though, right? Is this a running back by committee? So, Jules, what do you think? Should we be worried about Clyde Edwards-Alaire going forward? I don't think you have to be too worried about it. you you got to temper expectations. But, uh, you know, if you drafted Clyde, you got to play him, right? Like, the 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 cost to get him was just – it was too high. There, there's the odds that you have somebody else you can just plug in instead of, you know, regulate regulate them back to like a flex play where you can flip them in and out. 
um, I think it, it's pretty unlikely. So if I have Clyde, I'm, I'm plugging him into my lineup. I'm just tempering expectations and hopefully I can put somebody in my flex who's going to be able to have a higher ceiling. And, you know, uh, especially if I'm playing against a team that, that is projected to score a bunch of points or looks like they will. Yeah, that's a good point. So you're just trying to offset it a little bit because we're not getting exactly what we thought we might. What What do you think, D. Brown? Do you think he's like a, a back-end running back one, or do you think he's going to fall into that running back two territory? Uh, unfortunately, I think he does kind of fall into that RB2 territory for me. Uh, you know, I was a big advocate for him coming into the uh, season this year, but, you know, Le'Veon Bell going to the Chiefs, if you invested in CEH and redraft, it hurt. It hurt big time. You know, in Dynasty, while you thought you were getting that early scratch-off ticket, you're going to have to be a little bit more patient. But in redraft, unfortunately, you didn't know ahead of time and bell is there and it looks like he is going to siphon off a good bit of work it's going to always kind of cap ceh's true upside week in and week out you know but bell's a guy who hasn't been exactly consistent with his health as of late so there's always the opportunity that he does go down uh for a week week or two and then you can really capitalize but unfortunately yeah he's gonna he's gonna stay in that rb2 territory for me moving forward so long as bell's healthy yeah, no, nah, I kind of see it like that a little bit. I don't know. I can't really make up my mind. I just think Andy Reid has rarely used multiple backs, you know, and those rare seasons that he does are kind of the ones in which we don't get those top 10 fantasy running backs. I am happy that they play the Panthers, though, this week. They allow over 30 points to the position uh, in PPR, the third friendliest matchup for running backs in fantasy overall. Kansas City is favored big at home. So I think we probably end up walking away from this game with like a solid opinion on how this backfield plays out the rest of the season. But for this week, given the matchup and that Carolina has given up the most running back receptions this year, uh, what do you think, Trav? Do you think we're squeezing Le'Veon Bell into our lineups this year or are you still in uh, wait and see mode there? Uh, if I can be in wait and see mode, I am going to be in wait and see mode. Uh, Le'Veon did get the three targets last last week, but um, I, I, I want to see it a little bit more because I do think Clyde is going to be getting the lion's share, even if it's not a huge uh, gap between him and Le'Veon as far as workload. Um, but I can tell you uh, that I do have to put Le'Veon Bell into a couple of lineups this week. It's a little bit painful. Against me um, too. Yeah, I know. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for reminding me of that. I appreciate that. Uh, um, uh, yeah, so I, I have to do it, and, and I honestly think that it could be worse, but I wish I had somebody better. So he's kind yeah. of in that middle ground of usable for me. No, and that, that's that's kind of what why I laugh, because, you know, you got bodies on by, backs battling injuries. Like, he's the running back 23 in expert consensus ranking, so he's definitely, mm -hmm. you know, in a lot of running – he's in a lot of lineups, so – uh, before we go to the next game, actually, Trav, you mentioned Sammy Watkins. We touched on Tyreek. I actually forgot to mention that the Panthers have allowed the fifth fewest touchdowns to the wide receiver position. They're the sixth toughest matchup in fantasy overall. Uh, are we taking shots on any other wide receiver in Kansas City past Tyreek? Anybody looking for some some hard man sexual uh, sexual flexual healing this week? I'm uh, I'm pretty hard man. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I like Miko this week. I think with the Panthers being good at defending the wide receivers, uh, I think Miko could get loose in, in a couple of spots and it only takes a couple of plays for him to throw up one of those big boom weeks. So for instance, there's a couple of teams where I'm down, uh, from playing Devonte Adams on the Thursday nighter. Um, and as opposed to going for somebody who's a little bit safer, like the only name that comes to mind right now is like an Adrian Peterson, somebody who's going to get like 
like 10 to 15 well, carries. Think ever. of, uh, yeah, um, or think of Curtis Samuel, who is ranked right beside him in ECR. Yeah, so you're probably, mm-hmm, I'd, yeah, you'd I'd, be taking Hardman. Sean Hardman. Absolutely. Well, what about this one? The offense. You mentioned Le'Veon Bell. Would you rather flex Le'Veon Bell or Miko Hardman in a, in a flex spot? Hmm. That's a that's a really close one because I think Le'Veon's volume does come up a little bit. So it is almost like a floor versus ceiling play. And I think I'd probably go Miko Hardman for where he sits on my roster, unless I was in a position where I had Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers and I had a big lead and I needed a little bit of safety. I might go for me uh Le'Veon Bell because I think his chances of putting up a Zilcher are less than Mikol Hardman's, but um just for the sexiness, I'd probably try and go uh try and go Miko if I could. Yeah, and I, I definitely think Lev has some safety this week with playing the Panthers who allow the most uh, most catches to running backs. And maybe we'll go out on this matchup saying that wide receivers might not be the play in this matchup altogether. Like hey, the Ty, I got, a, I got a quick question here from actually one of our viewers, sorry, that's pertinent for this game. So uh, sorry to butt in there, but uh, Kyle, our buddy Kyle uh, talking about the Chiefs, uh, Gus Edwards or Demarcus Robinson. So this kind of goes a little bit further down that wide receiver depth chart of the Chiefs. Uh, Demarcus Robinson's hit. Uh, a couple of times this season and pretty much has that ability any given week. Um, So maybe let's just go around the horn real quick and just kind of drop one of the names here, Gus Edwards for that potential floor against uh, a tough matchup, or do we go to Marcus Robinson um, with that boom potential? Brian, start with you. I'm going to go with Demarcus Robinson in that scenario. You know, Indianapolis is really stout against, uh, giving up any sort of points towards the running backs. And, you know, at True North, we love the Dob Goblin. I think <laughs> I think he's going to have the better touches in that game. I, I think with the PPR big play bonuses, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot for the ceiling of, of Robinson. I dig it. Rapid fire, Ty. Yeah, I think I'll take Robinson for the same reasons, unless, like you said, you played Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams on Thursday night. But yeah, I think Demarcus Robinson playing a ton of snaps. You, you know, this offense is one that you would bet on for the high variance. I uh, give me Demarcus Robinson, I guess. D Brown. Yeah, no, I'll take Robinson too. Former Florida Gator. Let's go. What's Ooh, up, D Brown? Going D Rob. Uh, Julian, finish that one off. Yeah, I lean that way too. You guys hit all the all the big points. You know, especially with the big play bonus. That's. You know, I'm going to take the guy who makes big plays, not the guy who's is a floor player, right? Absolutely. Totally. Okay, Ty, sorry for, sorry for the interruption there, brother. No, and I was moving on, man. I just want to say that, yeah, wide receivers might not be the play altogether in this matchup, but obviously Miko Hardman can make your week on one play, especially – or uh, Demarcus Robinson could even make your play, uh, week in one play uh, against this defense. But I think all the running backs in this matchup could eat for sure, except Mike Davis, poor bastard. <laughs> Um, so on that note, guys, anybody playing the Seahawks this year, poor bastards, uh, they play <laughs> Bill's Mafia this week. So this is a pretty exciting game with shootout potential, too, in a week with some very low point totals on the board, I might add. Uh, so the Seahawks go to Buffalo coming off a big win against the Patriots. It's a matchup between quarterbacks who just torched the league early on. Russ has obviously continued to cook for the most part. Josh Allen has certainly come back to earth over the last four weeks, but this is the game for him to get back on track. Seattle has been god-awful against quarterbacks, allowing almost 32 points per game, the number one matchup in fantasy football uh, for quarterbacks. Even looking at Josh Allen's floor with his legs, Seattle has allowed the third most carries to quarterbacks and four rushing touchdowns, which is tied for the most allowed to quarterbacks in the NFL this year. 
On the other side, we have Russell Wilson, who's on pace for like, what, 5,000 yards, 60 touchdowns. I think he has a 10% touchdown rate right now. And check this out. <laughs> Russ has played the Bills twice a long time ago, granted, but he put up over 25 points in their most recent matchup. And in his only career game on the road against Buffalo, which this one is, Russ scored almost 40 fantasy points. So what do you think here, D Brown? Are we looking at the quarterback one and two overall for week nine in this matchup possibly? And do you think the overs the play? Someone hop in on that. Um yeah, I mean I, I, I will take the over here. I think this is one of the higher over unders on the week, if I'm not mistaken. And uh I I like the Seahawks here over the Bills. You know, Russ, like you said, it's just been unbelievable. Uh, even with no run game, it doesn't matter this year. Uh, but between Metcalf and Lockett, uh, Russ Russ is going to cook one way or another. And I think uh, what Seahawks getting their defense a little bit healthy uh, coming back, right? Who who they got coming back this week? Jamal Adams. Jamal, yeah. Jamal Adams. Jamal the Adams coming back this week. I think uh, Buffalo, <laughs> you know, might have a little bit, a little bit to bite off there. They tried to get the running game going a little bit more last week. So we'll see if that can continue. Seattle's been pretty good against the run. They've kind of been their weakness has been the past, but I think uh, Seahawks are probably going to play a little bit more zone defense and uh, try to force Josh Allen to be a little bit more accurate with the football and not let them get beat, uh, manned up. So uh, Josh Allen's going to have a big test here. I think this week, even being a home game. So uh, I'm excited about it though. Like I said, fire up Russ and, uh, his receiving options, and if you got DJ Dallas on uh, on the squad, I don't mind putting him in. Russell put him in uh, a position to be successful. We saw last week, even with uh, you know, kind of his efficiency not being great with the touches, he still got Thank in the you. end zone. Still got mm-hmm. in the end zone, and like I said, with Russell Wilson uh, chucking the ball out there, if you're getting touches in the Seattle backfield, they're uh, they're going to prove to be beneficial. Yeah, and they're going to be down at that goal line quite a bit. And uh, So, yeah, you did mention it. It is the highest total on the board. I probably should have laid that out for you before asking that question. So it is a 55-point total. Uh, (laughs) This is two fast-paced, heavy offenses, you know, pass-heavy offenses. And both teams average around 70 plays per game. Both give up over 5.6 yards per play as well. And if you look at the spread, Buffalo is plus three at home. So Seahawks are just a three-point favorite here. So I think it's interesting that Vegas does think that the Bills and Josh Allen will be able to keep up here. And you mentioned DJ Dallas. Let's get at him. Let's just dive into the mm-hmm. goals here and move right past Russell Wilson because Carlos Hyde is out again. Trav, I'm going to steal your thunder here. And Chris Carson will be out for this game as well. So no Hyde, as always. No Chris Carson, who's a warrior. So DJ, turn up the volume. Turn it up. In week eight, only Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook scored more fantasy points than DJD. Uh, Dalvin actually scored twice as many points as him. <laughs> uh, point, yeah, point is running back three overall in, in week eight. Uh, I would point out what D Brown pointed out because nobody is saying that, yeah, his efficiency was just god awful. But uh, mm-hmm. he did score a receiving and rushing touchdown. So how high are we ranking DJ Dallas this week? What, what do you think, Brian? Uh, I, I'd say he's... Uh... He's a mid RB two for me, but yeah, his efficiency last week, it wasn't very good, but that was up against the 49ers who were number 27th, you know, against uh, giving up points to the running back position, you know, and then this, this week, uh, just trying to find where Buffalo is. They're number 11. Like that's, that's a way better matchup 
And, and like you said, Russ is going to move the ball. He's going to put them in positions to score. And I think DJ Dallas, he has the opportunity to score again and maybe even get better yards per carry. You know, I, I, I think he's easily a mid RB too. Yeah, totally. I, I really think like you can't rank them too, too high. Jules, I want to go to you. So actually I'll touch on this. Like the bills have been one of the best fantasy matchups for running backs over the past four weeks too, Brian. And uh, they allowed the fifth most rushing yards to running backs this year, eight rushing touchdowns to running backs. So Jules, if you have DJ Dallas, Damian Harris, who are you starting in that? Uh, I'm going to throw DJ Dallas out there. I mean, I think the biggest point that you guys both said it was, you know, with Russell Wilson, they get into the red zone, right? And when you're getting valuable touches in the red zone on a high powered offense, even when you have a low efficiency, you're going to score, right? And this is this guy, it was his first game, basically his first game in the NFL where he got meaningful touches. He's going to have some kinks to work out. You know, I was a big believer of him coming into the draft and I love the landing spot because, you know, Pete Carroll's, he's done great things with, with late rounds and undrafted running backs. And, and I love the talent. So I think he can produce, especially in a high powered offense. I'm throwing him out there. I, it's not really any shade of Damian Harris. I just think the, the upside is higher for, for DJ Dallas. Totally. And that's why I do these. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say anybody speaking of late uh, Pete Carroll, favorite running backs, anybody worried about Alex Collins getting pulled up on the practice practice squad? Uh, <laughs> PD, PD sunshine said he would not be afraid to use him, And I, I believe that. I believe him. He also said Philip Dorsett was going to be a key part of that offense this year. So. <laughs> yeah. Under the knife, under the knife, just went under the yeah. knife. Or else he could have been in that David Moore role. He could have. It's true. But I digress. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think those are like great points, right? Because I wanted to bring up Travis Homer as well, because with all the bye weeks, with all the injuries, COVID and everything, is Travis Homer in anybody's lineup this week? Like I'm playing him over somebody like a Duke Johnson, probably. Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. DMS play for sure. You know, he'll be mm-hmm. cheap. And, you know, it's a guy he's got, he's got, you know, touchdown upside. We talk about being in that offense, right? We don't know who's going to get the red zone touches at this point, but. You know, it, it could go either way. I'll put my and, money on DJ and go for Yeah, that. and he played ahead of DJ Dallas before Travis Homer got injured. So I thought I think it's interesting to see how this plays out because DJ Dallas might have a short leash is all that I – that's the only thing I worry about. And I, I, I think it's true that if, you know, both of them suck, then Alex Collins is in there in the third and fourth mm-hmm. quarter. Why not? Uh, we know Pete Carroll does that. And I think what's interesting is you mentioned that we like Seattle backs. We like what Pete Carroll does. I was really what really perked our ears up was not that he was a converted wide receiver from the U. None of these. It was that Pete Carroll and them went out and drafted him in the third round. I think that surprised us all with yeah. DJ Dallas. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. Actually, speaking of draft capital, let's do one more. Leonard Fournette or DJ Dallas this week. That's, mm. that's tough. Give me I DJ so Dallas. I'll, Leonard I'll Fournette. He's so locked He's got into that run defense. I'll take Dallas. Yeah. So it's it's pretty close, right? So it's it's yeah. he's really locked into that RB two. So you nailed it there, Bry. Uh, so I don't think we have to mention Lockett or DK. They're two wide receivers in the top three, and without Calvin Ridley in the mix this week, basically the two, yeah, the two highest scoring wide receivers in fantasy available in Week Nine are Seahawks. But we should point out that Buffalo is a tough matchup, allowing the fifth fewest fantasy points to wide receivers this year. They haven't given up a touchdown to a wideout since week five to DK Metcalf's old running mate, AJ Brown. So is anybody actually, is anybody worried about Tredavious White? I mean, he can play all over the, all over the field. Uh, like uh, I'll ask you, Trav, who do you think Tredavious White covers in this game? Or does he kind of stay put and cover Lockett and Metcalf throughout the game? 
Um, not entirely sure. I think they'll probably want to have him on DK and hope that they can um, cover T or cover Tyler Lockett with um, kind of more quantity as opposed to quality uh, out of the slot. So I think I think he might follow DK, but you never really know because he can play everywhere. But I'm looking for him to be on DK, and I'm still not really worried about it. DK is a monster. Uh, Russell Wilson's going to be scrambling around there, finding him open. He's going to put up fantasy points. There's there's nothing worrying me about either Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, even against uh, Trey Day. Yeah, and he he hasn't been like entirely the same as he has been in the past like he's not as scary of a matchup as as he kind of has been in the past and i think this could be a tyler lockett week that's actually what i wanted to mention is that yes. about 60 percent of his snaps come from the slot and the bills haven't given up a touchdown to a wide receiver since week five and all that but four of their six touchdowns allowed to the position have come out of the slot and i think you said it perfectly like dk can transcend any matchup anyway so yeah. i don't think we're too worried about them. By the way, Tyler Lockett and DK are the first wide receiver duo in NFL history to have over 500 yards receiving and seven touchdowns through seven games. Never been done by teammates. Um, Crazy. Actually, with that, what do you guys think of David Moore? We mentioned Philip Dorsett going under the knife. Jules hates him. Uh, what do we think about <laughs> David Moore? <laughs> another dart throw that could have a big ceiling like this guy can put up two touchdowns every week right i think um you're not going to feel good about putting him in your roster just when you look at the volume that he's been getting consistently from week to week or inconsistently i guess um but again it's just another guy who needs one or two shots to give you a viable flex week in my opinion um so uh a little bit roster dependent maybe matchup dependent but i could see myself putting david Moore into a couple of lineups i think i do have him in one where it's another deep league um so you know yolo <laughs> what do you guys think though i'm curious to see what you guys think because uh it's an interesting one with dk and tyler lockett just being a mega funnel yeah no i i, I actually don't mind him as a you know dart throw th uh, flex play this week you know all all the stars are aligning this kind of being a higher over under game kind of maybe a projected shootout and also one where seattle's probably not going to really be able to lean on that run game at all with dj dallas being starting running back so you know look look for russ to be pass heavy in this uh in this game and I, I think Moore's a, a fine uh, flex play if you if you find yourself in desperation. Okay, so I don't think we're starting tight ends in Seattle. I know Buffalo's given up a few good weeks to tight ends, but they're some of the more athletic tight ends in the league if you look at the players who actually accomplished that against Buffalo. So let's go to the other side where we're definitely not starting any tight ends. I think Dawson Knox is actually on the VID list. But uh, Yep, you got that is right. That, that's correct. And I wanted to yeah. you know offhand anybody if Micah Hyde is out. Um, I I don't recall seeing him, but let yeah, me just. Yeah, so that's that's, that's definitely one to, yeah. to keep an eye on for Buffalo. I really like him, and he he just kind of lets that defense do a lot more in pass coverage. So off the top, as we get into Buffalo, we mentioned that we could see the quarterback one overall and the quarterback two overall in this matchup. In other words, Josh Allen is clearly an elite fantasy option this week. I want to throw this out there though. I think we might want to hit it and quit it with Josh Allen this week. I'm shocked that this isn't being talked about more. And I know last week we had to battle with weather a bit, but check this out. Josh Allen started the season with 25 <laughs> fantasy points in four straight games, which was tied for the third longest streak in fantasy football in NFL history. He hasn't scored 17 points in any of the four games since. So are people slow to react here or is he still a top five quarterback going forward? What do you think, Jules? Uh... You know, I think I think it comes with those big plays, right? If if those hit, then I think he's still up there. 
His rushing ability gives him a safe enough floor that he's definitely in the top 10 conversation for me regardless. But whether he finishes top five or not is, is going to be on whether they can hit those big plays. John Brown's coming back this week, and we'll see what that can do for the offense. you got um, you know two, two weapons there that he can um, use, and, and Cole Beasley as well, right? They, yeah, uh, easy, easy. Yeah, no, you know, there's, there's, there's actually a lot of, a lot of fantasy relevance on that offense. And, um, you know, I think that that opens up the, the, the defense as well, when you've got a guy who can, can go deep and, um, get open like Smokey can. So, yeah. And just to, uh, just to lay out that schedule real quick there, Ty, Arizona is after Seattle by week, Chargers, Niners, Pittsburgh, Denver, New England. So there's a tough Whoa. little stretch in there. Um, Ooh. So it, that's, that's a tough schedule. So I, li- I like what you were saying about hitting them and quitting them. Um, I also think but, like you, you just think of the names, right? like it's not so much the condemnation of Josh Allen. It's just, you got Mahomes, Wilson, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Lamar still got to be in that conversation. Justin Herbert is fucking in that conversation for me. Aaron Rodgers is there. Like, I just think it's, yeah, the names around him more than anything, but uh for this week, I mean, I mentioned part of the reason Seattle is such a nice matchup. They're giving up the most fantasy points to quarterbacks this year, uh, and they've allowed four rushing touchdowns. So I think a rushing touchdown is not an unrealistic ask from Josh Allen this week. Uh, if that was to happen, that's another touchdown. These running backs aren't scoring at the goal line in Buffalo. And the problem we have with this backfield, like all these kind of backfields, is that two running backs, they're, they're in that running back two range. You know what I mean? They're running back 20 to 30 range. And we have that with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary here. So what I'm saying is we really can only choose one of these guys. Like ideally, we have lineups where we can only choose one of these players for our lineup. So I want to go around the horn really quick. It's your flex spot, your running back two spot. This week and rest of the season, do you have Devin Singletary or do you have Zach Moss? Give me Moss by a little bit. I think he's going to continue to get some red zone carries and get the touchdown looks. Uh, I can speak from experience from having Devin Singletary on a key home league roster tie that uh, he has been mega disappointing. Um, yeah, it's it's been rough sledding for Singletary. So let me, let me get the new hotness in Zach Moss. Um, but yeah, in, interested to see what you guys have to say. Brian, what are you thinking? Give me Moss as well. I'll just keep it short. Brown. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'll take Moss uh between the receiving work that he's getting and the goal line carries. Uh the, those are the two things that I'm looking for with the running back. And Moss seems to be the better bet to receive those opportunities. So Moss over Singletary rest of the season. You too, Jules? Yeah, man. You guys, I don't need to say anything. You said everything I was going to say. And Trav, he's, yeah, like you said it right away, Trav. It's the high leverage work, right? Like he's mm-hmm. getting, yeah, he's going to get the goal line carries. We, you know, I know Singletary's seeing more receiving well, work right now. Josh Allen's going to get the goal line carries. <laughs> Good exactly. point. Exactly. <laughs> I'm pretty sure neither running back has more than 35% of the team's carries on the season inside the 10 yard mm-hmm. line right now. Like it's crazy. Well, I think that's reflected too in the rest of season ECR on fantasy pros too. You look at Devin Singletary, he's at 36. Zach Moss is at 38. Um, so not quite where we were in our, you know, saying that we definitely go for Moss, but I think it's close enough. And just being outside the top 30, shows that uh josh allen is a problem for running back production there Mm -hmm. and that was kind of my overall point trav is that even this week you look in ecr moss is rb25 and expert consensus ranking singletary's the rb30 and 
like the takeaway is go get whichever one you want, send an offer for them in your fantasy league as trade deadlines approach, but sell the one you want to somebody who likes them more is kind of my opinion, because really it just isn't a great them up and ship them off. Yeah. Like it's just not a great fantasy situation. Neither guy is scoring 11 fantasy points per game in PPR, Mm -hmm. uh, which is less than Cole Beasley, by the way, but, uh, top 20. Yeah. Yeah, He won the championship last year. Yeah, exactly. And he's been like, the guy (laughs) eats in the red zone. Like he always just cuts into work and he's been hot. Maybe we'll actually get into him here, but I just think. And he spits mad rhymes. Yeah. And he can (laughs) slam dunk. So. (laughs) What? That's crazy. I'm I'm like 90% sure now. No trampoline. Seriously. Yeah, guys, I can dunk too. Yeah, maybe it was a a slam ball as well. I can dunk. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah could be a hot hand approach and definitely uh moss is the guy who could be the more well-rounded guy if it does shift to just one guy so we shall see if uh like because the big takeaway that we're all pointing to is that yeah the there's going to be low goal line work and the running back market share is suppressed in a josh allen offense as well so uh, i want to know if that holds tra- uh, true against seattle because teams are throwing a lot against seattle of course and that's helping running backs in ppr leagues playing the seahawks they're actually the 13th best matchup in ppr for running backs uh but yeah it's just not how singletary or moss win in this offense but the Seahawks are one of uh, a handful of teams who have allowed over 50 catches and 300 receiving yards to the running back position. They're just getting carved up uh, in the passing game. It's crazy. The Seahawks are the best matchup for wide receivers in fantasy as well. And that one is not even close. They've allowed over 27 more catches than any other team to the wide receivers, over 200 receiving yards more uh, allowed against wide receivers than any other squad this year. Wide receivers have scored 11 times against Seattle. So, Stefan Diggs, do you, do we think he's an elite option this week? Is everyone sold on that? Giddy up. Giddy up. Yeah. Yeah, I just think oh, it's yep. interesting. I mean, Seahawks have surrendered over 160 more air yards than anybody else as well, but he has never scored against the Seahawks. He has some pretty suspect historical data against them. And uh yeah, I just think it yeah, I guess we have to worry more about these other other wide receivers. Like Cole Beasley quietly has nine PPR points in every game, uh, except the last week against New England. But last week was John Brown's first uh, first game back. So are we starting Cole Beasley? Actually, I'll go to uh, D Brown is pouring a drink. So let's go to Brian. Uh, are you starting Cole Beasley? And do you want Cole Beasley over John Brown going forward? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think they're close. I think it depends on what you need. I think if you need a higher ceiling, I think you're going to go with Smokey in this situation, especially against the Seahawks. But if you're just looking for that safe PPR play, it's it's Beasley is you can you can plug him in there and know what you're getting. You're not getting a high ceiling. He doesn't score that many touchdowns, although he has got some on the year. But he's he's just that safe play. Trav, what do you think? Do you want Smokey or do you want uh, do you want uh, John Brown? Uh, do you want Smokey or do you want uh, Cole Beasley rest of the season? You know how much I love Smokey B. Ty, but I want Cole Beasley Give for the smoke. rest of the season. Um, he has saved me from a couple of bipocalypses on 
uh, a specific team and he's just giving you those consistent at least you know Ty I think you said he scored at least nine and a half per game uh, that's what exactly what I was going to say he gives you at least those 10 points per game where uh, John Brown has given you more stinkers than he's giving you um, you know good games this week so or this year so I'm going to go Beasley for the rest of the season just for that consistency as a as a safety net and a red zone weapon yeah and I, what I think is funny is I, I I didn't even want to bring these guys up but you know, I mentioned that Russell Wilson has just destroyed the Bills in his career. Josh Allen has never played the Seahawks, but these wide receivers sure have. And in 14 combined games from Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and former Cardinal John Brown, they have scored a grand total of zero touchdowns in those 14 games. Uh, I know this Seattle defense is literally like 10 times worse than it was in most of that sample, but uh, I thought that was I thought that was neat. I thought that was neat. So anybody have any final thoughts on the Seahawks game before we move on? It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, it really is. All right, so the next game, this one's going to be a fun one. This one's going to be a really fun Mm. one. Let me just get a little more comfortable here. Uh, So the next game is the New Orleans Saints at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a big divisional game. Two quarterbacks battling it out for the all-time NFL passing touchdown record, boys. And Mm -hmm. we will also see some big wide receivers hitting the field for the first time in a while in this one. Uh, Let me get this out of the way for the degenerates. I think it's something that Tampa Bay is getting four and a half points in this game. They opened as five and a half point favorites at home. Uh, They certainly have a lot of steam right now as a football team, the Buccaneers. I like the Bucs in this one for sure. But the Saints are five and two. And by the way, they're two and five against the spread this year. The Bucs sitting at six and two. They're only 500 against the spread. So neither team has been very friendly to uh, us degenerates this year. Tampa Bay kind of have all the pressure on them in this one, though, I feel. The Buccaneers factoring into that is the Saints have won four straight games against Tampa Bay, including the season opener this year. So do you guys, I want a quick game pick from you guys with the points. Uh, D Brown, do you think Tampa Bay deserves that many points against the Saints here? Um. Yeah, I do. I mean, between how Tampa Bay's defense has been playing, uh, Brady, you know, kind of chugging the ball around and whatnot. But, you know, the Saints really haven't looked like the dominant team that we remembered from last year. You know, the turmoil with Michael Thomas and, uh, you know, they've been kind of giving Kamara a big load as of late while uh, Thomas is dealing with his issues. But, you know, I, th- I think the Bucks are going to take take the W here. Uh, you know, the Saints – the Saints get hot here and there, but uh, I think I think Tampa's defense has really stepped up a lot this year, and you know to boot with Tampa Bay's offense, uh, I'm I'm excited to see what AB is going to do in this offense. Um, Tom Brady's got probably some of the best weapons around him that he's ever had in his career right now, and uh, so I'm I'm excited I'm excited to see see this one. This is probably. Probably one of the the better games I think we'll see. Just two veteran quarterbacks really kind of uh, playing a game of chess here on offense. And uh, if you enjoy good quarterback play, I think this is going to be one to tune in for for sure. Totally. And I I think you said what's going to be a big theme in this one, that Tampa Bay's defense has improved this year. I think it it takes a while for some people to adjust to that. That's really the truth this year. Uh, Trav, I'll get to you with injuries here really quick Mm -hmm. in a sec. I just want to get some degenerate stuff out of the way here, though. What else stands out to me in this game is that over under 51 and a half. Like it's going to be a mix of great quarterbacks against great defenses. These are two of the best defenses in football, although 
lending to the spread, I think, like Tampa Bay being favorites, is that the Saints have not been the same team this year against the pass. And on offense, yeah, like you mentioned, it's been the Alvin Kamara show, and he gets one of the toughest run defenses in the NFL, arguably for, for two years running now. The Bucs have been the best uh, run defense. The note inside of that, by the way, though, is that the Bucs have allowed a lot of receiving production to running backs, and Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara, scoring, uh, scored a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown against the Bucs in week one. Um. What I can't get a good grip on, though, is in that first matchup, Deep Brown kind of alluded to him thinking that these quarterbacks will be battling in a chess match, but there really wasn't a ton of passing in the first matchup. Everyone is expecting a good game here. What do you think, Trav? Do you think, how, how do you think this game plays out? Do you think the over is the play? Do you think it'll be a high-scoring affair? Um, I, I, This one totally could go both ways. These are those ones where you look at it and both – defenses are good run defenses and you expect them to go through the air and you expect points but it just disappoints because it's like a a 14 to 7 game or some some silly score like that but i think there will be some points put up so um i would go with maybe just like a smidgen at the over just because of all the people that the the saints are getting back um but yeah this this could go either way we could be ready for a big disappointment if we are going with the fact that we think they're going to be scoring a lot of points so uh, why don't you just get into those injuries that yeah, I just totally. alluded to? Maybe save the Buccaneers for me, though, because I, I, I want to yeah. do a little Antonio Brown party. Totally, man. Yeah, I'll just do the <laughs> Tony's toe tapping tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, so just <laughs> DJ Liquid, MC Solar. DJ Dallas, DJ Dallas. <laughs> uh, real quick, I do want to give a shout out to my nephew, Bryden. He's watching a uh, little football player. He's a solid defensive lineman out there. He's nine years old for the for the Victoria Spartans. Uh, thanks Who's for Bryden's favorite team? Yeah, lay uh, the wood. Lay the we wood. Haven't, uh, we haven't dove super far into the the fandom just yet. I think we both know where I'm going to steer him towards. Uh, but I think outside forces are probably going to steer him towards the Seahawks. So I'll probably end up losing that battle. His last name is Wilson as well, so he has a Russell Wilson jersey. Um, so yeah, that's. Uh, uh, what's going on, B? Thanks for watching, buddy. Uh, so just to get into the Saints injury report there, Drew Brees actually uh, was a full participant on Thursday and Friday, so he's not going to miss. Um, but it was a little sketchy there. Uh, Ty, we were talking earlier in the week and talking about how salivating the Jameis Winston revenge game <laughs> if uh, he didn't play um but unfortunately we're not going to see that alvin kamara popped up limited on wednesday with a foot injury but he was also a full participant so no worries there uh the big one though michael thomas um out originally with an ankle and then popped up with a hammy as well was limited all week um but it is said that he's going to be going as well as uh emmanuel sanders who just got finished with a bout of the rona uh so emmanuel sanders is coming off the reserve COVID-19 list and he's going to be back as well so uh, yeah Ty I just kind of wanted to kind of throw in off that and I guess Julian we'll start with you is what do you think like what are you reasonably expecting from Michael Thomas coming off those injuries um, and maybe a little bit of uh, turmoil within the locker room um, as well uh, what are you expecting from MT is he going to be that massive target hog is or, or is it going to be kind of spread out uh, you know I, I think it, it's tough to say but my gut leans, uh, they work them in slowly. You know, they, they don't put them back in to the 100 99% snap share they ha he had before. So I, I think it's uh, fair to expect um, seven to eight receptions or, you know, seven to eight targets, maybe uh, six to six to eight receptions. And, uh, you know, and, and he can score on that, right? But, 
you know, he's always kind of been that the the slant guy, you know, short possession receiver, and so he made his money. In he PCR. doesn't like to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> don't tell him. Is he listening? Crack in the face. That's okay. I'm all the way up here. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think they work him in a bit slower. And I'm still playing him because he's Michael Thomas and he has that upside. You know, they could they could feature him, right? We thought Aaron Jones wasn't going to get any uh, get get very much run this week, and then he came out and he had the first five plays go to him. So. You know, I, I think it's possible that happens, but I, I err on the side of caution. You know, just temper your expectations when you're rolling Michael Thomas out. Ty, uh, Ty, you've been playing host admirably. Um, why don't you drop a little bit of heat on how how you think Michael Thomas is going to come in there and affect the target share? Yeah, I mean, he's going to come in and eat a lot of targets, 25 to 30% of them, there's no doubt. And I think Jules is on to something like, the market is hedging here or people are legit worried about this matchup tomorrow. And it gets into what D Brown was talking about. Like he's the wide receiver 17 and expert consensus rankings right now. If we take out week one, when he left early, that was against the Buccaneers, but take that out. This is Michael Thomas's fantasy points against the bucks going backwards since 2018, 25 points, 41 points in the first matchup last season, 20.8 points, 38 points. And he's never scored under 15 fantasy points in his career against the Bucks, except week one, which was the last time we saw. So I think it gets into what D Brown hinted at right off the top. And that's that we should probably just tip our cap to this Tampa Bay defense this year to Carlton Davis this year, because just like against quarterbacks this year, Tampa Bay has just improved significantly across that span of sample size that I just gave since 2018 against wide receivers in fantasy. I mean, they're allowing, they're the 10th toughest fantasy matchup for wide receivers this year. And they were the worst matchup last year. They gave up over 40 fantasy points to wide receivers per game last year in 2019. So they've improved by about 10 PPR points per game against the position, just a crazy swing. But I think the whole point that you go back to is that Michael Thomas is just a historically efficient guy and he's an elite fantasy wide receiver that lets the Saints offense not be one dimensional. And I think the tough matchup, it really just hurts Drew Brees and the other guys, Emmanuel Sanders, Jimbo's boy, Marquez Calloway and Traquan is just super dead to us. I think that sucks. Poor one out for Traquan. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, I was going to say, what about Jared Cook? Jared Cook's been having some big games the last couple of weeks. He gets lots of red zone targets as well. Do we think, uh, D Brown, do you think we can rely on Jared Cook as a wide receiver one? Or a, a tight end one? Sorry. We are not We are not relying on Jared Cook as a wide receiver one. Um, but is he still a tight end one with Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders coming back and Alvin Kamara getting a shitload of targets? Uh, you know, I mean, with tight end being the way it is, I think you can you can throw him in there at the back end of a tight end one for me. Um, you know, I I kind of do buy into the narrative though that uh, MT being back, something just tells me that Drew's just gonna pepper him with targets his first game back and just kind of silence uh, silence kind of the the crowd that's kind of been uh, speaking about the Saints locker room, you know, nobody's really sure what's going on in there. You know, we've heard rumors of this and Chauncey Gardner, uh, you know, getting into altercations apparently with multiple everybody at this point. So, you know, I I don't really know uh, what, what the, the morale is in that Saints locker room, but something just kind of, I kind of get that feeling that, uh, Breeze is just going to pepper uh, Sir Slant a lot with targets uh, this week. And, 
So I, I, I don't mind. Uh, I, I think MT might be a good uh, GPP play this week if you're uh, in the DFS realm. Does anyone else think like like the wide receivers are the ones who came into this game questionable? I think Drew Brees is the one that's questionable, right? For this whole offense, like he's the one who's kind of he's the one that we have skepticism about going forward. I think like he's the quarterback fifteen on the season, quarterback sixteen in this matchup in ECR, but he had his worst game of the season in Week One against Tampa Bay, and I just think like uh, the Bucks are good against quarterbacks. I think this is a really tough matchup, but if I, I'm totally in agreement with. D Brown, like it's going to be a lot of Michael Thomas. And I think you mentioned the other name it's going to be a lot of, and that's Jared Cook. Like he has tore up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers since joining the Saints. And don't look now, but he scored double digit PPR points in three straight weeks. So I think, I think those are the two plays in this game. And I think Emmanuel Sanders is just one of those guys who you can never predict anyway. So why try? Truth. So, okay, do you guys want to – let's go into Tampa Bay then because Tom Brady on the other side has a couple huge weeks this season for fantasy. He's throwing deep, uh, but just he, just a 20-point game in week one against the Saints. I kind of alluded to both – like the whole passing game was just kind of a letdown in week one. Uh, he is impressing anyway. any way you look at it, though. We have to remember that he's still kind of getting his feet wet in this offense with Arians, and Brady has a couple games over 32 fantasy points already. So he's always in the conversation for quarterback one leagues. But I have a question, guys. Like, I think he's outscoring Lamar Jackson right now, Tom Brady. And we really have shifted our mentality at the quarterback position in fantasy in recent years. Like, there's such a premium placed on rushing at the position, and rightfully so, looking at Kyler, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, all these guys. Uh, Trav, what do you think? Like, is Tom Brady going to be one of those outliers this year who scores as a top 10 quarterback without adding value with his legs? Yeah, I think it's everything is lining up for him to be. Um, just on the injury front for the Bucs, um, the Chris Godwin is back, so that is huge. We like that. Obviously, Tony Totap, represent Ty, um, is uh, is in the lineup for the Bucks. So I think with the weapons that he's got and Gronk even heating up and sh showing that red zone presence that we know that he can be, um, I think Tom Brady can be that out outlier. Now, I'm thinking back end top 10. I'm not thinking top five because he doesn't have that rushing. Um, but him and Aaron Rodgers actually are the only uh, two quarterbacks in the top 12, I believe, that don't have two. 200 yards rushing um, and they were actually the only two last year to finish in the top 12 without 200 yards rushing um, so I think you know we can see them do that but you know I'm probably looking 8 to 12 as opposed to saying bona fide top 10 just because of what those other young guys with uh, with wheels can do yeah, and this is, so this is a great matchup for a guy like Tom Brady, too, because his opponent is only the Falcons have allowed more passing touchdowns to quarterbacks. So Brady is primed in prime time here. Uh, and talking about the legs, actually, keep it in your pants here, boys. There's a pair of a pair of them in this running back room. And this is a pretty ambigu uh, you know, ambiguous situation here that we want to get right if the Bucks look to be one of the better teams in the NFL, right? So let's go around the horn fashion here. Rojo or Fournette, who are you plugging into your lineups? Because both are in that RB2 flex, you know, range again, and there can be only one. And where in lineups, like, do you think they are top 24 running backs? So around the horn, who do you want? And top 24 over under. Give me Lenny inside the top 24 with some receptions. Yeah. Yeah, I lean that way too. It's just the he's the receiving back there, and you know in PPR the receptions kill. So isn't that funny to say like Leonard Fournette is the receiving the back? Receiving that it does. It sounds like he yeah. was last year in Jacksonville though too. Yeah, like, yeah. Leonard yeah. as well. Just, just a lot. Rojo's gonna fumble and he's lot. gonna get taken out again. 
for sure for sure it's awesome i love seeing it and uh that's kind of where where i think i'm sitting d brown what are you thinking yeah no i'm i'm gonna take lenny uh as as my standard you know i, th- I think you could kind of uh you know kind of guess at the game script uh depending on who the matchup is and if if it seems like it's kind of going to be a rollover game i don't mind plugging in rojo over lenny but if it seems like it's going to be a competitive game in the slightest give me four net no doubt for the receptions yeah so i'll i'm i'll take devil's advocate here like i i, I kind of value them where they sit in fantasy right now like jones is an rb2 but Fournette's more of an rb3 to me who I hope scores in that game. Uh, I was surprised to see that I missed that. You know what I mean? Like that value shift. Uh, Leonard Fournette ranking, being ranked ahead of Ronald Jones this week in ECR just kind of threw me off. Like Fournette is ranked as the running back 19 in expert consensus ranking, running back 26 for Rojo. But we have to remember that this is a really tough matchup for running backs going against the Saints, still allowing the six fewest rushing yards to backs, just three rushing touchdowns to running backs all season. So that's what I mean. It kind of shapes up more like a Rojo game, in my opinion. But I totally agree with what Brian said, that Bruce Arians is one of those remaining coaches who cares about ball security, cares about pass protection. So we do have to factor that in for sure. Um, you know what? The Saints defense they they haven't been the same against the pass and if you thought the running back room was muddy in tampa bay guys get your fantasy gumboots on for this one because let's hit these wide receivers really quick chris godwin mike evans and antonio brown i was like antonio the mighty buck man (laughs) swear to god so i think maybe i should preface this whole thing by saying we kind of want to just see a game with all three of these big giant names on the field at the same time and to get it out of the way, we can probably sadly, we probably have to say goodbye to Scotty Miller time, which sucks. And maybe we we see a dip in the targets going to the running back position. I want to make that uh, mm-hmm. in the universe as well. So let's do a quick value take for redraft for tomorrow night against the Saints. Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, tell me where they are in value going forward. Godwin, Evans, Brown for me. Brian, have at her though. Uh... Uh, I don't know. They're 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 so close together. I, I'm gonna have to go Godwin. I I might put AB above Evans just because he's so touchdown dependent, though. It, but it's so hard to say because we haven't seen anything or how they're gonna use him or if he's gonna go crazy and only play one game. I don't know. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A distinct possibility. It uh, sounds like he's Lynn at Tom Brady's house, though. Uh, Brady's showing him how to act as a human being, let alone a professional athlete. Um, just looking really quick at the rest of season ECR from uh, from Fantasy Pros. Just scrolling down here. The top wide receiver is Chris Godwin at 18. So this is rest of season, not just this week. Mike Evans at 28. And it's probably a bit of uh, Antonio Brown at 37. Um, so Antonio Brown's getting a little bit slept on, I think at 37, because I think all these guys could probably be within the top 36 in this offense. Um, I think somebody else is going to suffer though, Ty, you mentioned the running back targets and I think Gronk could potentially suffer, um, aside from that red zone stuff. But I'm curious to hear what you think, buddy, with that Tony toe tap Jersey on. (laughs) Well, I love Antonio Brown as a player, you know what I mean? And to be honest, I think this really hurts Mike Evans. I don't see how you could say it doesn't. You know, I barely think of Mike Evans as a wide receiver three all of a sudden with Antonio Brown there. So no joke. I guess I'm like straight up panic selling, I guess. (laughs) But the reason is because I love Godwin so much. He's locked into ideal usage. He's so unbelievably versatile. So I won't be selling him. 
uh, Mike Evans and AD might alternate big weeks in fantasy. I think that's the that's the scare, right? Like they they see similar usage, right? And AB might be better than Mike Evans in both categories that Mike Evans dominates in, like air yards, deep passing down the field, plus goal line and side sideline catches. Like that's why we're calling him Tony Toe Tap, you know. And the the worry for Big Mike is in games he doesn't score. What is he going to give you, right? Like what we've seen this year has been very upsetting and. <laughs> Those games when he doesn't score, they're going to be a lot more frequent with AB in town and with Godwin back in the fold, right? And I was surprised to see the ECRs as well, Trav. So going forward mm-hmm. this week and going forward, I'm definitely high on AB. He's my second highest ranked guy named Antonio tomorrow. And actually, I think owners are starting, you know, because we're, we're starting Mike Evans right now, this week. We have to, if we have him on, yeah. our, on our fantasy team. Same with Chris Godwin, to be honest. I'm probably just firing him right back in my wide receiver two slot. But Antonio is tricky. So why don't we rank the Browns here, boys? Odell Beckham's favorite favorite pastime. So <laughs> so for this week, um, I'll go to, <laughs> so I'll go to you, Jules. Uh, for this week, Odell Beckham is not in this one, unfortunately. Uh, but what do you think about Hollywood versus Little Cousin going against the stingy Colts, Marquise Brown or Antonio Brown? Antonio. Yeah, you know, I Give think. I think I'm taking Antonio. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think back to the one week he played last year with Tom Brady and he came out, he scored two touchdowns lights out. Right. Um, I think, you know, he's living with them. I think he comes out and I think he actually has a good week and you know, it hurts me to say a little bit because, you know, <laughs> I almost don't want him to do good because he's just such a freaking whack job, but he's so good. <laughs> you know, like I got to give him credit where credit's due. So yeah, give me Antonio there. I think he, I think he beats Hollywood out this week. What about Smokey Brown against oh, the number one matchup for wide receivers? Yep. So you're going no, Antonio on that one too. Yeah, I'll, I'll. I need another week to see uh, Smokey in that offense. Cool. And I love what you said there, Brian. About you know he could have just play one game, go crazy like that is have to like you have to factor that into that his long term value like rest of the season like it's so funny if he doesn't work out man it's just sad i mean not everyone is a marvin harrison or a larry Fitzgerald, you know but if ab had the personality of a heinz ward like he finishes his career as the second best wide receiver of all time behind jerry rice probably and before ab ghosted in 2019 this is where he ranked in ppr points per game at the wide receiver position first second second first first second he was over 300 PPR points six years straight, starting in 2013, and the wide receiver won overall four straight years in there. So I could just go on and on about him, but uh, does anybody want to jump back in on the wide receivers? And somebody maybe hit me with this Gronk love, with these three wide receivers. You mentioned it, Trav. Can we justify this Gronk hype right now? He is the tight end four in ECR for tomorrow. We got to be careful with it. I think we got to be careful with it. I could see him becoming extremely touchdown dependent um, because I don't think we're going to see six or seven targets a game to Gronk um, consistently. We'll see it. You know, we'll see some spike weeks where that's concerned. um, And in Gronk fashion, there will be some Gronk spikes. But again, that just leads back to his dependency on the touchdown. So I'm, I'm tempering it a little bit. It's uh, it's, it sucks because he's been reliable the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And it's funny because he's been, the tight end two overall over the last four weeks, but he was just invisible over the first four weeks. So yeah, it's so Mm -hmm. weird. And for this week, tight end four just seems super high. I mean, the saints are the sixth easiest matchup for tight ends. They've allowed six touchdowns to position, but I mean, there's a pair of sophomore studs in great matchups. Like you have TJ Hawkinson ranked below him, Gronk, below Gronk and he plays the Vikings with no Kenny G. Noah Fant is going against the Falcons. I, I think that's an interesting one. 
Um, so let's start and try and rapid fire some of these ones. We're going to go across conference here, guys. And the next matchup, I'm going to stay with a division battle. Trav, I want you to just fire into some uh, injury reports here for the Las Vegas Raiders and the Los Angeles Chargers, if you got it in front of you. Yeah, for uh, for those dynasty rookie drafters, Brian Edwards has missed the past four games. Uh, he was a full participant on Thursday and Friday, so it look, looks like Brian Edwards will be back in the fold with the Raiders. It'll be interesting to see with Nelson. It's weird. With Nelson Aguilar surging, that feels wrong to say. Uh, <laughs> just because you're an Eagles Philly fan? Well, not just because I'm an Eagles fan, just because it's Nelson Aguilar and he's in that uh, that that Vegas defense or offense. But um, Brian Edwards is back, and a lot of people had him as the alpha wide receiver to start the season in this offense. I think it's going to be a little bit of a slower go as he starts to factor in there. But I think uh, just maybe a little bit of payoff for those of us who drafted him in like that second round of or second, third turn of rookie drafts. Um, looking at the O-line, they're starting to get healthier as well as recovering from the reserve COVID list. I think they get two of those offensive line back, linemen back. Sorry, I can't recall offhand exactly what the names are, but um, they're getting, getting stronger and they do have some good players there. And then kind of uh, piggybacking off of that, we got Josh Jacobs. Um, he was a full mm. participant, a full participant on Wednesday. Uh, didn't practice Thursday and then limited on Friday with a knee and an illness, they were saying. So um, him practicing Friday was a good sign. Uh, he did have his best game of the year last week with 31 carries and his first 100-yard game of the season. So uh, Josh Jacobs is the big one that I'm monitoring. I expect him to play, uh, but I'm curious to see if there is somebody coming in to spell him coming off that injury. It's kind of a weird practice trajectory um, that he started with this week. Um, what do you think, Ty? What do you guys think on the, on the Josh that, Jacobs situation? Yeah, like that is definitely something that scares us. The midweek downgrades. Yeah, mm -hmm. we hate that. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll just let me fire through this matchup information really quick. The Raiders, they won both games last year between these two teams, but both were one score games. And Justin Herbkid obviously wasn't blowing the F up at that point. The Raiders have also become just a more offensive team themselves are getting healthy. You mentioned trap. So I think it's interesting. Maybe we throw historical matchup data out the window in this one, regardless of both coaches having some tenure here. Uh, with these teams this year, though, we have the Raiders above 500. They lost to the Patriots and the Bills before the big win against Kansas City. And they came out of their bye week and just got smoked by the Buccaneers. And last week, Derek Carr and co, they won a, a whirlwind of a game, 16-6 to against the Browns. And they haven't been that good on offense when we think of this game having such a high total. I mean, the Raiders have scored under 24 points in four of the last five games. And my point here is the Chargers are sizzling. Sure, they have just two wins on the season, but they lost to Denver by one, lost to the Saints by three, and that was an overtime game against the Saints. And in week four, they lost in a shootout to the Buccaneers, who, remember, Derek Carr couldn't hang with coming off of his bye week. And keeping those scoring trends going, the Chargers have scored 27 points in four straight games now. In those last four games for the Chargers, the average game total has been almost 64 points. So this one is a 52-point total. I'll go to you, D. Brown. Do you think, do you think the over is the play, or do you worry about the ball being in Carr's court too much for that? And maybe give me a game pick too. This is a pick'em game, boys. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride the Herbert wave this week. Um, he he's looked great so far. I think this is an, another matchup in which he can shine. Uh. Justin Jackson is another another guy in this uh, in this game that I'm kind of targeting in DFS. Uh, he's under 5K on DraftKings, and 
last week. He, I feel like he really kind of set himself apart in this backfield. Uh, he's, he's looked pretty good. Seems to be getting uh, a lot of the receiving work and a lot, a lot of work on the, uh, on the ground. Um, you know, so give me the, give me the chargers here. I like them. Josh Jacobs a little beat up. I think, uh, Derek Carr is going to be under pressure often from this Chargers defense, and uh, you know I'm not I'm not really big on any of the Raiders receivers this week. Um, you know I'd like to see Brian Edwards come back, see kind of what he can do and how he can get incorporated in this offense. But uh, I kind of want to see how these targets shake out, um, especially with Josh Jacobs being banged up. I think he is going to go this week, uh, but coming off the Big game last week, lots of touches. It'll be interesting to see how uh, the Raiders can get maybe Booker involved a little bit more, uh, try and get a little bit of the load off of Jacobs. Don't even say it. Don't even say it. But, yeah, I totally agree. We, we forget about that a lot. You can think of someone like Dalvin Cook who's coming off this great game and the realistic assumptions that they actually might rest him a little bit in the upcoming mm-hmm. week, you know, or at least he might be a little more banged up that following week. So, I think you said everything. I, I agree with everything you said there, especially that it really just is in Derek Carr's court. So what do you think, Jules? Do you think Derek Carr, like there, there's there's room for a shootout here is my point with that over under. Both teams are giving up over 250 yards passing per game right now. Vegas is scoring about 27 points per game and the Chargers are really just elevating their points per game week after week. Plus teams are scoring over 26 points per game on both of these defenses. So are you going after the over and give me a game pick, Jules? Yeah, I am. I, I think this is uh, it's a pretty safe over for me, actually. Um, and I'm taking the charges in this one. I think they've, you alluded to it earlier, you know, they've had three games where they were within three points uh, of winning that game. They lost last week on the last play of the game. So, um, you know, I think, one, I think one of these games goes their way down the stretch here. You know, they've been a great team. Uh, just haven't been able to, to pick up wins. And, you know, in the NFL, you got to learn how to win with a young team like this. So, um, yeah, I think this is a good opportunity, a good challenge, and you know, Gruden's not going to give it to him easy, so it'll it'll be a fun one. Yeah, and isn't that funny? Like the Chargers have never finished games, that's for sure. Whether it's their mm-hmm. kicker, whatever it is, just that is something. <laughs> death taxes and the Chargers losing late games, and your poor goddamn Falcons. Sorry, Deep Browner. Um, yeah, sorry, dude. I just I, yeah. I knew they're, it was going almost, there. I well, fucking knew it. Taking the, they're almost taking the the crown there in that aspect. It's crazy. It's always been the Chargers in my life. Uh, are you taking the Chargers too, Brian? Yeah, I'm taking the Chargers as well. Me for too. all the reasons that Jules and everybody else laid out. You know, Herb Kid's showing real good. He's got his weapons. He's got Keenan that he's going to really a, a lot during the games. And like D said, you know, Justin Jackson's looked good. Um, I, I I hope it's a shootout because I have to stream Carr in one uh, one of my leagues this year or this week. But uh, yeah, no, I'm 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 taking the over and and the Chargers to win here. Me too. So I laid all that in. I think the Chargers have been kind of the hidden gem this year. They're five and two against the spread. Uh, I want to go into Derek Carr. Let's start with the Raiders here. We were kind of talking about how we don't have a lot of interest in the wide receiver group here. Maybe we'll get into that. But, you know, Brian, if you're starting him as a, you know, you're streaming Derek Carr, 
it really, it could go either way. I think, I don't know. It might be a trap play in this one. I mean, he could have a couple touchdowns, decent chunk yards, but it's going to be tough for him. He, you know, hopefully he hits 15 fantasy points because he hasn't done so in three of the past four games against the chargers. I, I think he's a fine quarterback to play, but when people see that quarterbacks are scoring the fourth most fantasy points against the chargers, I just think Derek Carr might get a little bit overranked and I'm not holding week eight against Carr whatsoever. It was super windy in Cleveland last week. Um, I think what we should keep in mind before folks think the Raiders are going super run heavy, by the way, especially with Josh Jacobs status, like the Raiders ran the ball 45 times, I think against the Browns, but that was just because of the conditions. And, you know, maybe we should talk about Josh Jacobs a little bit, just in the aspect, like, what, what do you think, Trav, you're back. Are you comfortable if Josh Jacobs is your running back one on your fantasy team going, going forward? Um, yeah, if he proves healthy this week, for sure. Um, I, I think where you, where you took him in drafts, he probably is. I know uh, there is one team where I am relying him on, on relying on him as the running back one. So, um, yeah, I think you kind of have to, if he proves to be healthy this week, but I am a little bit sketched about this week because it could be a little bit of a trap game. Like you were saying about De Derek Carr there. Um, so yeah. Uh, he's probably probably back end, maybe top 15 for this week. But I think moving forward, he's top 12. Uh, still needs to get some more of those targets, though. Um, and he still needs he needs to break more play, big plays as well because he hasn't been breaking the big plays as much as he has last week. You look at PFF's uh, breakaway percentage, and 32% of his yardage was on big plays last year, whereas it's only 6% this year. So I think there's wow. some room for some positive regression for him in that department, even if we don't see more targets um and i think we could see that get him into that back end top 12 that's i think that's perfect like yeah and i think he has the lowest yards per carry of any top 30 running back in fantasy this year and remember his 4.8 yards per carry in his rookie season that was the sell the efficiency was always the sell for josh jacobs always the draw the big plays the yards after contact uh so yeah that's that's really interesting because and you mentioned that he's outside the top 20 running backs in in targets and receptions uh, I, th I think it's a really interesting conversation, but because at, at the same time, like, do you want him over Jonathan Taylor? Do you want him over Chris Carson? Probably. And then you get to Joe Mix and Kareem Hunt and these guys. So it's a, it's tough sledding out there. So Jacobs is probably going to be a top 12 running back going forward. But yeah, he's only finished as a top 12 running back twice this year. And I should point out that in his only career game against the Chargers, he did score 19 points in PPR. So he, he he's in line for a good week as long as he's not limited and all that stuff that we're talking about. By the way, the Chargers have allowed just two rushing touchdowns to running backs this year. That's tied for the fewest in the NFL. Meanwhile, running backs are winning via receiving work, which is what he is not winning. Um, so... You mentioned Devontae Booker. If, like, say Josh Jacobs was to be, you know, aggravate something in pregame workout or whatever, are, are we starting Devontae Booker over Jalen Rashard in, like, a running back three spot in that case, D. Brown? Yeah, no. Uh, if if Jacobs were to miss, I think Booker would be in play uh, mm -hmm. over Rashard. I think he's going to see the bulk of the carries at that rate. And uh, he sh he's shown himself as a capable receiver out of the backfield as well. So I'd feel confident firing him up if Jacobs was out as a, uh, you know, kind of high-end RB3 type player. Um, but get getting back to Herbert, uh, I'm partaking in a uh, 2021 Superflex Dynasty mock draft right now with some other guys in the industry. And I'd just like to point out that Justin Herbert went at 207. Ahead, oh my god! Ahead of the likes of Joe Burrow at two ten, so just kind of throwing you into where his uh, value is going as of right now. He's up there pretty high, 
He was selected just behind Dak Prescott, who went at 202 as uh, the QB7. So uh, Herbert is on the rise. He's looked spectacular. And if you got him this past offseason in rookie drafts, congratulations, because he's great cash right now. Uh, I mean, guys, do uh, you couldn't you couldn't throw out a good enough good enough offer right now? Trying to buy him in Dynasty is like trying to buy DK Metcalf in Dynasty. It's <laughs> sledding right now, boys. So roll up that herb, roll up that let's, herb. Uh, let's herb a derb here. Let's do. Let's <laughs> grab a scoop of rainbow, Herbert. Okay. Um, if if like I think Joe Burrow is a good one. Like I think he just soared right past Joe Burrow, even in redraft value, man. Like I want him in redraft over Joe Burrow easily. Trav, do you want him over Carson Wentz? Ooh, Ooh by a hair. heart string. Yeah. Easily for me. Matt Ryan. Matt yeah. Ryan. Yeah, I think so. I yeah, think these so. Are like Sorry, D. Easy for me. <laughs> so these are like he he's a pretty locked in top ten quarterback going forward. Good schedule. Check this absolutely. Out. Check this out. This week, he's the quarterback six in expert consensus ranking versus, versus Vegas, which is a pretty tough matchup versus, versus quarterbacks. They're actually a running back funnel. Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Kyler, and Josh Allen are the only quarterbacks ranked ahead of him. So there is not many guys people want ahead of, of the Herb Derb because, yeah, like he just has those two elements that give us that rare advantage at the quarterback position. The deep passing in concert with that rushing upside. Now, I mentioned on the GOAT district, so sorry if this is repeat information, four touchdown passes of 50-plus yards already this year for Herbert. That leads the NFL. Last year, the NFL leader in 50-plus yard touchdown passes had four all year. And he leads with nine touchdowns on throws 20-plus yards downfield as well. We also mentioned like a couple weeks back that he had that rushing upside to fall back on. He now has 140 yards pair of rushing touchdowns under his belt and he will always have that athleticism to fall back on guys over 20 fantasy points in five to six games too so i wanted to wax a, a you know poetic a bit there because the whole team has just transformed throughout the year they have come out of their bye week as a totally pass heavy team especially on early downs it's just incredible what the Chargers are doing brian before you can get your bearings how are we approaching this backfield right now that itself is in flux, block party style? Like, it's also a great matchup on paper this week, but how are you dealing with this backfield? Because D. Brown already hinted at how he's he's feeling it, and I'm I'm with him. What do you think, Brian? With with LA's backfield? Yeah. So, are you liking Justin Jackson, <laughs> or are you uh, are you still dipping your toes yeah, into I'm Joshua Kelly? Jackson. Yeah. How no, high no, are you? I'm like not... top twenty four. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to be top 24 on Justin Jackson. You know, he's he's looking good. Like, if you're actually watching the games, he he looks like he has more bursts than uh, Joshua Kelly. And it, it like you said, uh, Vegas is giving up a lot of yards and, and stuff to the, the running backs. I, I'd say he's a top-end uh, RB2 in, in this matchup. Boom. So we are all go for it. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Just real quick on that. Um, Justin Jackson did have a top 12 week last week and that was with Troy main Pope, who is doubtful this week with a concussion. Troy main Pope soaked up 10 carries and seven targets last week. Uh, so I think you're spot on with that, Brian, that Justin Jackson is um, a boon to fantasy managers because you got him at a, um, at a price where this production is just a bonus for you. And he's going to be a running back too for your roster this week. I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah. yeah, and that that's what I was going to throw to you with, Trav, is that Tremaine Pope is doubtful with a concussion, you said? Yeah, doubtful, yeah, with a concussion. Well, that's interesting. Like, the Chargers running backs, nobody's played 60% snaps in any game this year except Austin Eckler. So I think that's interesting. I wonder if that changes this week for Justin Jackson because of Tremaine Pope's status. I almost think, by the way, that Joshua Kelly can probably be dropped. He was out-snapped by Tremaine Pope last week. And uh, Do you guys know how many games Joshua Kelly has been a top 24 running back in fantasy this year? Gooser? One. Boop, 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 boop. Mm. Unless yeah. this is wrong, that's a big fat zero. And you mentioned, yeah, like that's something that Justin Jackson's done two of the last three games. By the mm-hmm. way, Kelly has double digit touches in four of the last five games. He's just under six fantasy points in four of those last five games. Like the, if his work oh. goes elsewhere, we could see an uptick in efficiency if, you know, Brian D. Brown, Jules, or Travis is getting those carries, in my opinion. And it's because mm-hmm. the efficiency just has <laughs> been pretty bad. Like I ragged on Josh Jacobs, guys, because on the other side, Trav, you mentioned the breakaway percentage he's light years ahead of kelly josh jacobs in talent obviously but check this out only three running backs have under 70 touches right now but under four yards per touch and two are in this game two are named josh and the third guy in this uh in this equation is actually the punchline so it's jacobs josh kelly and frank gore oh yikes yikes and And i think that's why that why troy main pope was getting uh, so much work is because Josh Kelly has been super inefficient, which sucks because we still love him. He is a, um, he doesn't know it, but he's a friend of true North, uh, <laughs> but carry on with that backfield time. Well, you know, I could get back on track here, I guess, like looking towards tomorrow. Cause it is a great matchup against Vegas. And I also spoke of the inconvenient devil there. Another reason we should really, really love Justin Jackson. The only player in the NFL without a touchdown who has more touches than Justin Jackson this year is Frank Gore of the Jets. So I think Jackson is a rock solid RB2 this week, no doubt. And the theme is that he's gaining steam quickly. Well, kind of running backs behind him are not. He had 20 touches last league, 20 touches in two of the last three games, actually. He has 40 PPR points across that stretch as well. Double digit PPR points in three weeks straight. No touchdown yet on the season. So I think that's coming. Running backs have scored nine touchdowns against the Raiders this year. And if we worry about Herbert, you know, throwing constantly in this game, the Raiders are also giving up a lot of receiving production to the running back position. And that's what I've always been most thrilled about when it comes to Justin Jackson. And this year, he's seen 11% of the targets when healthy, at least five targets in the last uh, three games for, for, uh, for my boy there. So does actually, does anybody know when Austin Eckler is set to return? Not soon. Whenever yeah. it is, it's gonna be later. Yeah. Week so maybe we should done. maybe we should be buying uh Justin Jackson going forward then. Um should we hit Keenan Allen? I mean he's a top fifteen guy in PPR right now. Lots of room for him to even move up. He's top five comfortably in targets, receptions, uh thirteen wide receivers have more receiving yards, and he has just three touchdowns on the year, so lots of room for him to move up. Actually, Keenan Allen's touchdown line over the last three years is the number of the beast here, six six six. And if he doesn't score Tamori, that'll be the eighth game. He'll be on pace for a cool six touchdowns. Um, it's funny that I doubted Keenan Allen in the red zone heading into the season. Like, I just continue to keep assuming Hunter Henry and Mike Williams will dominate the end zone looks. But again, this season, Keenan Allen, six end zone targets. Mike Williams has five. Hunter Henry has four. All three of Keenan Allen's scores have come in the end zone this season as well. So with scoring on the brain, Beavis and Butthead style, what are we thinking about Mike Williams? Like he has a handful of duds this season, but also two huge fantasy games in the last three weeks, three touchdowns in the past three weeks. 
Uh, Jules, are you happy starting Mike Williams? Is he like a wide receiver three, or is he more of a good option among these high upside plays that once we're beyond that range? Yeah, I think he's, I think he's, he's got a wide receiver three floor where he's getting those targets now, but I think he does offer that upside. You know, I'm rolling him out there in, in, you know, if I'm playing two flex leagues or three wide receiver leagues, I probably have him in my lineup because the upside's there. You know, this, we, we talked about this game being a high scoring game. And I, I think that that comes to fruition and it's not all, not all on Keenan. And I, also he popped up today with an illness on the injury report. I don't know if you guys saw that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not sure, sure what that's going to affect his Sunday availability like, or if that's going to affect him at all, but something to monitor for sure with Mike Williams. I think he's the wide receiver too, um, back end wide receiver too, potentially in, like you said, what could be a game where they score. Um, in two of the last three games, he's got eight targets, five receptions in both. One of them, he got 109 and two touchdowns. One of them, he got 99 and one. So I think the chemistry with Justin Herbert's just starting to heat up. That's kind of what I thought at the beginning of the season and why I wasn't as hyped on Keenan Allen is because I thought uh, Mike Williams plays really well into the skill set of, uh, of Justin Herbert with him throwing those frozen rope deep balls. Um, and we saw that last week with a beauty touchdown catch to Mike Williams. So I think some of that could continue where Mike Williams could be that boomer bust, um, you know, big play threat who could give you big touchdowns when you need. So uh, I'm liking him as somebody in those start three wide receiver leagues who can give you wide receiver two production in the wide receiver three spot. Yeah, that's well said. I think, I have kind of a hot take here. Like Mike Williams has played a bunch of games against the Raiders, obviously playing in division. He's never hit 60 yards in a game against them. Zero touchdowns against the Raiders in his career who suck. It's really weird. Um, So maybe this isn't the Mike week. I don't know. Uh, But going forward, I love Mike. I mean, I think a Jalen Guyton having multiple touchdown catches of 70 plus yards this season and all the end zone targets that I'm kind of referring to is work that can kind of flow towards Mike Williams um, actually, I'm going to move on here. I remember 2016 guys remember that year. So Hunter Henry was a machine in the red zone that year. That's what I remember in the end zone too. So he feels like kind of the forgotten man in fantasy football this week to me. He's ranked as the tight end seven in ECR. We talked about Gronkowski against TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant in that range. Uh, Brian, what do you think? Do we agree that Hunter Henry should be ranked below guys like Gronk, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, uh, just because they have better matchups? Uh, yeah, I I think so. You know, like when you look at Gronkowski, uh, Brady's got eyes for him. Fant's in a really plus matchup against Atlanta. But, uh, I mean, Hunter Henry, he, he still has a plus matchup going in against Las Vegas against Corey Little then. And he he always has that touchdown upside, you know. I they're going to be throwing it, they're going to be in the red zone, and like you said, he is that big-bodied red zone presence. He could score, and I think that's why he's in the top ten. The expert consensus ranking is the plus matchup and the possibility that he could come down with with a touchdown there or two. Totally, and. Yeah, it's it, there. All those guys are just in really good spots. I agree. And Henry's just not in a plus matchup, even though Hunter Henry, the reason Mike Williams sucks against the Raiders is because Hunter Henry has scored more times against the Raiders than he has against any other team in his career, uh, including Kansas City, who he has two more games played against and another team he's played more than he has played against uh, 
is actually the Denver Broncos. And let's go to them. Uh, they have Georgia on the mind in the next matchup going up against the no, no, no. Browns Falcons this week. And this game is in the dome and we could see some offense in this game too. So Trav, do you have any injury information for me in this game here for the Atlanta Falcons and the Denver Broncos? I do. Um, let me have a peek where. Well, I'll come back to you. So, <laughs> so Drew Locke came back to life finally, guys, right? Like he was so, he just sucks. We all hate Drew Locke. But his second half against the Chargers was better than the rest of the season combined, kind of. And this is an elite fantasy matchup for quarterbacks going against Atlanta. Don't have to tell D. Brown that. Then you have Matt Ryan and the Falcons coming off of a win. Even though, you know, Matt Ryan's kind of let down for fantasy this year, the Broncos are also a very nice get-right matchup for quarterbacks. The total in this game is kind of a toughie. 50 even is what Vegas thinks the combined point totals for the Falcons and Broncos will be. I don't think the over is, like, enticing enough in this one. The teams are scoring just over 48 combined points on offense, and the defenses aren't getting scored on like quarterbacks are scoring on them for fantasy, if that makes sense. They allow a 54 combined point total on defense for these two teams. So I just think the the total is kind of gross, but when you think about how this game plays out, like both teams are throwing 62% of the time, both are running tons of plays on offense. And again, we see Atlanta stands out as the worst team in yards per play, allowing the most yards per play in the NFL. So I just think this is really one of those games where you have a pass heavy offense going against a team who struggles throwing the ball, but Denver is playing a defense that is outlier bad. So do you guys think, uh, D Brown, do you think Denver is going to be able to keep up with your Falcons this week? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Drew Locke uh, has not looked great. Like you said, he came alive in the second half last week. But for the most part this season, when he's been available, he hasn't looked great. Um, you know, I don't know that they will be able to keep up. Yes, the Falcons' defense has been abysmal. They do have a, a couple of injuries this week as well, which should uh, kind of open things up for Denver. Uh, you know, I, I kind of like uh, the over in this game, if I'm being honest, uh, between the Falcons' bad defense. Broncos are pretty uh, beat up on defense as well. A.J. Bouye will be out mm-hmm. this week. Um, you know, Calvin Ridley is questionable. Game Kind of a game-time decision is what we're looking at with him. Um, but I love Julio Jones this week. Um, with A.J. Bouye, Bouye out, uh, looks like Bryce Callahan will probably be the best bet to match up with Julio Jones. And I tweeted this out earlier today. Julio Jones coming in at 6'3", and Bryce Callahan coming in at 5'9". I'm pretty sure Julio is going to make uh, make some cheddar come tomorrow so uh look press and hold that y button with 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 calvin ridley kind of questionable with that ankle injury i'm looking for julio to have kind of a big game this week i like him as a top five wide receiver here in week nine totally and so i i think the spread is kind of like i mentioned that total is kind of gross to me just because i can't get a good feel on if drew Locke will be able to keep up you know uh that's why i think the spread is kind of gross here too marmalade style Uh, Atlanta gets four points here. So I think it's interesting that Atlanta is four point favorites. So if I want to bet, I think I'd actually be looking at the Broncos. They've actually paid off well this year. Denver is five and two against the spread. And sorry, D Brown, just never bet Atlanta because, you know, heart attacks, holes in pockets. And this year has been even worse, uh, worse than ever. So Trav, do you got a, do you got any extra injury information there uh, before I get ahead of myself? 
Yeah, so um, for the Broncos, Philip Lindsay was questionable, didn't practice Thursday, uh, limited on Friday. Tim Patrick is questionable with a hammy, limited throughout the week, um, but uh, he missed every practice last week, so this week is a step in the right direction for him. Um, and then just real quick on the Falcons there, Gurley didn't practice Friday due to, due to a non-injury. Uh, he should be good to go. Um, like D Brown said, Calvin Ridley is questionable. Didn't practice all week. I would be leaning towards that. He's going to be doubtful there. So, um, could be another gauge week. And then with Tim Patrick being questionable, we could be in for another, um, Hamler and cheese sandwich as well. Mm-hmm. So I want to stay with the road team here first, just as I go through my notes here. I really like the wide receivers for Atlanta in this matchup, like AJ Bouye, Booyah. Like it's it, it's a pretty nice setup, and they're they're definitely giving up uh, a lot of points to the quarterback and wide receiver position. Uh, in Denver, obviously both teams are. Uh, I want to ask because we are starting Julio Jones, we are not starting Calvin Ridley. Uh, you know, I I agree with you, Trav. And we saw earlier in the year when he did play, when he was less than 100, it was a pretty ugly performance. But I want to ask about Russell Gage because Callahan is not going to be covering anybody in the slot, obviously. So, are we starting Russell Gage? What do you think, Jules? Are you starting Russell Gage this week as like a wide receiver three ish? Yeah, I think that's the range. If you are starting him, that's what you got to kind of expect. Uh, you know, he started off the season hot. I think he had a hundred yard game to open the season, and and uh, and he he was hot down the stretch last year. He built some rapport with uh, with Matt Ryan. Um, you know, I think he's a viable guy you can throw in there, but I don't think you're you're locked and loaded getting wide receiver three value. I think he, he you know he could come out and and disappoint you, and you know that's kind of what you get. This is a guy you can pick up off waivers, so you, you get what you get. So would you start Russell Gage or Michael Gallup going against the Steelers? <laughs> uh, I'll take Gage in that matchup. Yeah, that's not a fair one. It's so easy to go against yeah. Michael Gallup. <laughs> I don't want Gallup to be the last offense. week. <laughs> what, about, uh, what about a Jaguars wide receiver not named DJ Chark against uh, Russell Gage this week? With this Luton, when the Luton starts. I'll, I'll take the Luton starts. Yeah, give me Visca this week. Guy. I love him this week. Yeah, Give me Gage. Love- give me Gage. I think I might start both of those ancillary pieces in Jacksonville over Gage, but I really like Gage, guys. Like, I like, you know, wide receivers will be on the field like 70% of the time if they play for the Falcons in weeks one and two. Buddy saw nine targets and 12 targets, too. So, you know, Jules, who just left, uh, mentioned his hot start. Uh, <laughs> uh, mentioned his hot start. Yeah, nine targets, 12 targets to start the season when, you know, he was seeing lots of snaps and everything. And I think. He has some sneaky positive touchdown regression coming too. If it comes for Matt Ryan, I think if it comes for Matt Ryan, it'll also come for Russell Gage. He's top 10 in targets and catches from the slot this season, zero touchdowns from the slot. And really Russell Gage has just two touchdowns in his career on 88 catches. Uh, Speaking of guys that are getting a little bit overvalued or undervalued, depending on your, on your perspective, what do you guys think of Hayden Hurst this week? Cause I love Hayden Hurst. I love the situation, the end zone targets getting used in the intermediate, but this week, I don't like him. What uh, what are you looking at, Trav, with Hayden Hurst this week? Yeah, I mean, tar- some target volume should be there with Calvin Ridley out. So one would think right away that he's going to be a-, a great play this week. But then you look at the Denver Broncos and their, bo- or their top 10 in fewest points allowed to the tight end. Um, they've only given up two touchdowns to the tight end on the season. Um, so I think they are a tough matchup for him. Uh it, it could go either way. If he gets a touchdown, he's going to be in the top 12. If he doesn't get a touchdown, he's probably not. So that's maybe that's a little bit hedging, but I'm kind of with you, Ty. I might be shying away off of what could be perceived as a bit of a prime matchup, but isn't quite. Who is the Broncos safety? Um, safety? Simmons. 
Yeah, Simmons Justin Simmons. That's Simmons. the yeah. fella. So baller. yeah, he is probably the best player in the NFL at defending tight ends right now. He's so I baller. think that's yeah. So that's my big note for uh, so uh, even you, D Brown, who would love Hayden Hurst because you get to see how athletic he is on a weekly basis. Even you're fading him a little bit this week, eh? Absolutely. And uh, just let me back up here to the last game. Breaking news here from Adam Schefter. Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen had a sore throat Saturday, tested negative for COVID, but needs to pass other COVID tests before being cleared to play Sunday versus the Raiders per source. Team hopeful Allen will play Sunday, but also preparing as if that won't if as if they won't have him just in case. So, you know, heads up with Keenan Allen. He's uh, nice. he's probably locked into anybody who's got him. Uh, Mike Williams would definitely get a big boost if he were to miss any time, and Hunter Henry, as we mentioned before, would also kind of get a boost. Totally, and Sun- I think Justin Jackson, insider, <laughs> and I think Justin Jackson, who's seen five targets three games straight, gets an uptick there for sure. I think KJ Hill actually yeah. gets into like super deep. Uh, start three wide receiver multi-flex leagues uh, because he'll probably assume that slot role, and then Jalen Guyton, somebody who can always him. catch. A 70-yard touchdown anytime. Thank you for that, D. Brown. That is really good. So where were we? We're talking about fade the hate, I guess. But not like I'm not putting this guy in a fantasy Hurst either. Like I think he is more than fine going forward for Hayden Hurst. Just a bad matchup. And I know Ridley's out, but that doesn't take Justin Simmons off of him. Uh, I'm actually – I'm sitting him in an important league. Do you think I'm going to regret sitting Hayden Hurst? Who are you starting? League, Ryan? Uh, I can't even remember off the top of my head. I think I'm starting Logan Thomas over him, to be honest. Okay, I, I'll honestly, guys, I might have started Robert Tunyon over him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to hurt. Cause so, yeah. Tunyon I don't didn't help a, a lot. All right, guys. Speaking, hold on. I, let me let me let me visit something real quick. Uh, in the original Gong Show Dynasty League, okay? You guys mm-hmm. may may remember this, but I recently lost Kittle. I'm competing, obviously, for a championship, sitting at seven and one currently. Okay, I don't know if you guys saw the trade or not, but I I had to sell on George Kittle because I'm competing. So I sold for a 21 first, a 22 first, and Logan Thomas, the aforementioned. What do you guys think about that? Is that, did did I sell too low on Kittle there, or as a competing team at seven and one, getting a 21 first? a 22 first in order to bargain and maybe buy a few more pieces in order to try and secure the championship for a second year in a row. What do you think there about the value that I, I was able to secure for Kittle being that he's gone for the season on a contending team, being able to lock up a 21 first and a 22nd first and Logan Thomas. Uh, I think I have a couple of other decent tight ends to kind of boot in that league, but what do you, what do you think on the value there? Uh, and wh- what do you see if you're selling Kittle today as a contender, what are you looking to get? So just a note there, you also got Russell Gage in that deal. Um, yeah, I was yeah. going to say that. For the guy who always busts my balls for acquiring Eagles, you um, have no problem acquiring those Falcons, D. Brown. Um, <laughs> I think 
I think the perception of the deal, just looking at Logan Thomas's name and Russell Gage's name, probably, probably might shy away from that. Uh, but I think once you're able to put players into where those picks are, I think that's going to pay off handsomely for you, especially because it goes two years down the road. Kittle's probably still going to be elite, but you're going to be at a place where you are restocking the cupboards for what is a championship roster. Uh, so I like that move if you can go for it. Just real quick, D, I just want you to mention who your one loss came to. <laughs> what, what if I told you I don't remember? It yeah, was exactly. me. It was me. <laughs> but my team's not that good in that league, so that's the <laughs> that's where I stopped the bragging. Um, but I don't mind the t- trade D. I like the two firsts for Kittle. I like that, especially because it's not a tight end premium league. Um, Kittle is an advantage, but you get those two firsts, man. Um, what are you thinking, Brian? Uh, initially just just hearing the trade i just assumed tight end premium i didn't really like it especially with the the second first being a 22. i think i i'm in the same position where in one league where i'm seven and one as well just lost kittle and i i have logan thomas that i picked up off waivers at the beginning of the year and i also have tunyon that i picked up off waivers and a couple other options, I would have rather kept Kittle and tried to, like, give off a piece off my bottom end of my roster, maybe a lower pick and get, like, Jared Cook and and had him for going forward for a third championship. But that's just me. But, you know, at least you have those firsts going forward to rebuild. I don't know what the whole uh, shape of your team is. Yeah, and we don't, we don't have to get into the the. I was just kind of throwing that out there. That's one the one area that I have sold Kittle. I've got him in two or two or three leagues, but that was the one where I was truly contending, and I'm really looking to kind of run that back to back there. And at this point, even you know, I like I said, I didn't necessarily need Logan Thomas to fill in. I've got a couple other options there, but just uh, to get a little bit more capital. Uh, you know, maybe to buy a few more pieces. I'm hurt. I'm hurting there. I can't remember exactly who else, but I'm hurting for flex options at this point. So being able to move on from Kittle and maybe get a few more uh, draft capital pieces that could be valuable uh, for some trade capital down the road was kind of my move there. And, uh, you know, yeah. while I'd love to keep them, it was kind of a dead, dead for me at this point this year. And like I said, I'm trying to repeat this year. So, uh, I did. I I acquired Kittle this off season in that league to kind of sure up my repeats. So losing him, I don't mind moving on at this point. That le- that league's getting shut down if you win it twice in a row, D. <laughs> Fuck it. That's not the first league I've shut down. If you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well fucking played, buddy. Ty, why don't you get us back on the rails, dude? <laughs> well, speaking of shut it down, let's talk. Let, I mean, we were still mid that game. I want to talk about the other side of the ball. Unfortunately, we have to because they're playing the Falcons. So let's start with the resurfacer really quick. Drew Locke, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Atlanta Falcons. They're just in a tier of their own in fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position. Falcons are giving up the most passing yards and touchdown passes to quarterbacks. Signal callers are scoring over 30 points a game. Multiple quarterbacks have been the quarterback one overall against them. Uh, What do you think, Jules? Can we fire up Drew Locke because of how good this matchup is? And even though he really only has one good half of football under his belt. (laughs) Uh, you know, I think in redraft leagues, you probably have better options you can grab on waivers. But if you're in a two-quarterback league, uh, yeah, I'm firing up Drew Locke for sure this week. You know, I, I think it's a juicy matchup, and I'll 
I'll take my chances. But yeah, if there's there's better options on the waivers, I think that you can you can rely on that. So I, th- I think that's the correct answer. Ding, ding. Like he's a top target for quarterback streamers this week, I guess, right? Like he's quarterback 17 yeah. in expert consensus ranking. But in week mm-hmm. 10, guys, back to hard back end quarterback two territory for me for Drew Locke. And even in this matchup, like if you have Cousins against the Lions, there's Daniel Jones going against Washington. Even Foles yeah. gets the brutal Titans defense. Like there are guys that I'm not going to argue with you if you go with over Drew Locke. Um, those are just a few quarterbacks ranked below him in expert consensus rankings, by the way. And a lot of people would love to have running backs to play ahead of Melvin Gordon this year. I think that's one thing that uh, a lot of Melvin Gordon owners would say. He, You know, he's coming off a boring revenge game against the Chargers. He's not, it's, it's not a terrible on-paper matchup for fantasy this week. He's the running back 18 in expert consensus rankings. And Trav, wh- what do you think? Because you talked about Philip Lindsay. Do you think Philip Lindsay's going to be 100% in this game? What do you, what do you think there? Uh, maybe not quite a hundred percent. I think he is going to factor in a little bit just because he's kind of shown that he is the best runner in this backfield. Um, but I think it is going to be a heavier share on the side of Melvin Gordon. Um, funny enough, the Falcons defense is bottom five in fantasy points per game allowed to every position, but the running back position. Um, so like you said, it's, uh, it's not a terrible matchup. Um, but it does seem to play into the passing game with Atlanta being able to score points. So I think unless Melvin Gordon's getting five or six targets, I think he could disappoint on that. What did you say? He was running back 18 in ECR? Yeah, running back 18 in ECR. Yeah. yeah, so I think he could disappoint on that a little bit, but I don't think he falls like outside of the top 30 or anything like that, just based on some of that rushing volume. But he's going to need to get some receptions if he's going to um, maintain that top 20 value like ECR says. Yeah, so it's interesting you said two things there. So this is a deceptive matchup because it's not a great matchup for running backs playing the Falcons, unlike every other position going against the Falcons. But the other thing is that it's all through the passing game, even the running back position, the Falcons, Falcons, Falcons passing funnel. And for the second straight year, running back receptions in Denver are probably the least efficient running back receptions in all of football. <laughs> and the guy they brought in to combat that in, you know, this season, Melvin Gordon has been one of the worst running backs in pass catching efficiency this season. Uh, in fact, the top two uh, most inefficient running backs in the passing game this year uh, among all top 24 running backs are in this game. Todd Gurley and down at running back 24 with 77 yards receiving as Melvin Gordon. So he probably, you know, he probably is a, top 24 running back this week against the Falcons. But do you guys think he's a top 24 running back going forward? What do you think, Brian? Uh, Melvin Gordon? Yeah, top 24 going forward. Uh, I, I think he's right on the cusp. And actually, like Trav was saying, I'd actually prefer Lindsay going forward. I think he's, if you watch even just the tape from the last game, he was he was the more explosive-looking runner. And, you know, you look at some of the stats for, for Lindsay, you know, he's number two in breakaway run rate, uh, number six in breakaway runs, uh, abated, or sorry, yards per touch. He's number seven. He's, he's just, he's looking a lot better than Gordon. Gordon's seeing a, a few more passes in the, in the pass game, but I'd rather have Lindsay going forward. Yeah, me too. I'm just looking it up here. So running backs are scoring 14 fantasy points per game against Atlanta on just receiving work compared to under nine fantasy points derived from rushing against them. That's hilarious. Um, 
And I bring that up because Melvin Gordon was, he's 46, the Monks running backs and receiving yards. So if he can't make anything happen in the passing game against the Falcons week nine here, I am like 100% done with Melvin Gordon the rest of the way. I think we're, and it's interesting that Trav agrees, Brian agrees, people are nodding. So I think it's crazy. And no concussion can keep Philip Lindsay down, man. And really the hard truth for this backfield, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. But I think like the only worry I have is that it is a hot hand approach and Melvin Gordon, like he's probably still the guy who gets trotted out for the first play of the game. But I'll, yeah, I'll take the dude who's trending the right way in his career, the hometown guy who I like far more as a runner. I mean, he's the walking, living example of underestimation on the planet. Uh, He's great at the goal line. He's so efficient. The the problem is he's not very good in the passing game either. So what do you think, Jules Jules and D. Brown, do you guys both want Lindsey over Melvin Gordon down the stretch? I do, yeah. Um, you know, uh, I actually bought Philip Lindsay in my in the offseason in my main dynasty this this past season. Um, traded James Conner for Philip Lindsay in two seconds, which turned into uh, LaVisca Chenault and Zach Moss. So, um, you know, I was pretty good return on James Conner, but, uh, you know, kids balling out this year. So, anyways, back to answer your question, man. Uh, yeah, I want Philip Lindsay over Melvin Gordon. I think he's just kind of getting pushed out of the offense, and you know, he like you 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 pointed out with his efficiency in the passing game is he's getting those targets, but he's not doing anything with them. And I think they just they start to rely more on Lindsay because he's just so much clearly the better back. No, yeah. you know, you know, play your best players. You want to win football games. Except the Jacksonville Jaguars. So what about this play for <laughs> fantasy guys? With so many bye weeks, blah, blah, blah. Would you ever start both Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler in like a deep league, hoping at least one goes off for you? Do you ever do stuff like that, Deep Brown? Or yeah, is just the no, wrong team, wrong quarterback to do it with? No, I mean, I feel like uh, this might be a week. If you were going to dabble with something like that, this would be the week to do it. You know, I I love uh, – I was building some DFS lineups earlier tonight, and uh, the lock Judy fence stack is one that I was kind of starting to build around. Great pricing on lock this week. Got a great matchup. Um, you know, if you want to throw Hamler in the mix, maybe uh, to pivot off a of fan, if you got another tight end like TJ Hawkinson that you're looking to fire up for big points this week, you know, so be it. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I like Denver's offense. Uh, you know, quick shout out to, you know, a good friend of mine, Linda. Uh, you can find her at Linda Lindell Lions. Uh, she she was touting Philip Lindsay over Melvin Gordon all off season, and uh, you know I'm a big Philip Lindsay fan. I love him. You know I, I watched a uh, ESPN 3030 30, uh, 30 for 30 special on him or something or rather about how you know during the draft while it was going on, you know he was on the phone with the Falcons. And the Falcons told him, uh, you know, hey, if you're there at the end of the fifth, we're going to take you. And at the end of the fifth, he was there and the Falcons didn't take him. Philip Lindsay was speaking about how that just, you know, really just stabbed him right in the heart. And, you know, getting him to come back and stay hometown in Denver. Uh, you know, that's just one of those players, man. If you If you hear his story, you hear where his heart's at. That's a guy you can't help but root for. Uh, and you know, I, I'm a big Philip Lindsay advocate and you know, he's, he's electric with the ball in his hands. He's a playmaker and I am Philip Lindsay over Melvin Gordon rest of the season. 
So that's mm-hmm. a clean sweep. And it's interesting because you look at expert consensus ranking and Melvin Gordon's still pretty comfortably ahead for tomorrow for week nine here uh, ahead of Philip Lindsay. So I think it's interesting that like the market might be a little bit lagging here. You should be definitely, uh, you might be able to make that deal straight up Melvin Gordon for, for Philip Lindsay. Trav, what do you think about this tight end room? We love Noah fan. Everyone loves Noah fan. He's a yak machine. But are you worried about what we've seen from Albert O the last few weeks, who has actually outscored him in fantasy over the last three weeks? A little bit, a little bit. We obviously knew that Albert um, Okwebunam, or AOK, as you coined him, Ty. Um, so is everything AOK for Drew? Is everything AOK for Noah Fan? <laughs> um, I think it will be. I think it will be. But I think um, they need those receivers to get back a little bit healthy. I think Fant is the better player than AOK. I think we could see some more. I hope we see some more two tight end sets with those guys because they would look really nice. But um, Fant yeah, in the slot. Yeah, I think Noah Fant's going to be okay um, just because he does have that versatile skill set where AOK is kind of the all-around skill set with um, still some really good receiving chops. Yeah, can't spell fantasy without Fan. I, I I like Fan. He's top 10 in, among tight ends. <laughs> targets, I love him so much, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you love him, Jules? Yeah, no, that's Jules, one of my favorite do you players. Like him, do you like him more than TJ Hawkinson going forward? Man, that's... I love TJ Hawkinson too. That's it's a they're like four and five for me in you know in, in dynasty rankings. It's these are just two guys that I'm all about. I love their athletic profiles, both of them, and like in that in both their offenses, you know, more for TJ Hawkinson. He's just being utilized like uh you know like that that elite tight end. You know, he's getting targets like George Kittle, um, you know, and Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller even at that point, right? So. Um, I, I like both those guys, but Fan just has that type, the type of skill set that he can take any one play to the house. You know, he doesn't necessarily need the volume to to score touchdowns or to make big plays happen, right? He's, but he is he is getting the volume. He's seen twenty percent of the exactly, team's targets. Yeah. yeah. But you know, yeah. AOK coming in, you guys do bring up a good point. Like that does worry me because he's getting those targets in the red zone. But you know, with Noah Fan's ability to to just make plays all over the field, I just don't think he's going to be off the field enough to not be fantasy relevant. Exactly. I think they can kick, you know, Noah Fant in the slot and they can do that with Albert O too. I mean, he's getting buzzed because yeah. he has history with Drew Locke. That's being talked about a lot, but he was an athletic freak who just blew up the combine. That's when he really just, you know, f- came mm-hmm. into the, came into the picture. And, uh, you know, if he were to cut into fans production, maybe touchdowns a little bit. He did score last week. on That was his only catch though. And yeah, mm-hmm. he has 27 fantasy points across the last three weeks. So, we, we, we like him. Uh, let's go from one surprise rookie to a rookie who surprised most people by starting last week, coming out of his team's bye week, and he is going to the desert this week against a pleasant surprise defense. So if everyone's still with me, I'm going to the Miami Dolphins at the Arizona Cardinals. And I hey, think this I, is... Yeah. Sorry to uh, kill your Tua boner there. Um, I really want to jump into that last matchup on Monkey Knife Fight if we could. Is that cool? Yeah, for sure. Go back okay, to Atlanta so, and Denver. Yeah, sorry, dude. I should have I should have found a better cut in, but I'm just Mr. Interrupter tonight. Oh, so yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, your just stories gonna, in a sack. Yeah, I, I just really like that matchup for this. I think um, we could be able to uh, make a little cheddar. Um, so we're going to look at a more or less game as we usually do. Uh, I think we wrapped that game up really good, guys. We um, we covered it pretty top to bottom from the from the tight ends on to the quarterbacks and, and, and not the wide receiver position. 
We could have yeah. gone on and on. We actually saw Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler flip spots last week when it comes to who plays in the slot and who's on the perimeter. So that's a big watch for Jerry Judy going forward. KJ Hamler played a ton of snaps, but so did Deshaun Hamilton. If we remember back to week three, which was the first game without Cortland Sutton, we actually saw KJ Hamler play over 90% of the snaps and Deshaun Hamilton play under 20% of the snaps. And just Jerry Judy, man, he's seeing 20% of the targets, 28% of the team's air yards. But he still doesn't have a game with six catches and hasn't hit 80 yards receiving yet. So, you know, I, I didn't want to leave too much if you're going to say that, Trav. So sorry about that. No, that's cool, man. And that's you interrupted sad. me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> tit for tat, man. Tit for tat. Okay, so we're going to play more or less. Um, we're going to try and put a little bit of coin in uh, old T-Rav's bank here, boys. So hope you got your game day game faces on. Uh, we're going to talk about Matt Ryan first with a line of 290 and a half passing yards. Um, that seems like a fairly high line, but this uh, this passing volume can get him there. No problem against the Denver defense that's been kind of middle of the pack against uh, against quarterbacks. So, um, Brian, why don't you start? Do you think Matt Ryan hits that 290 and a half? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think he's going to hit it there. I don't think Denver's going to push him for enough points and Denver right now they're passing, uh, yards allowed per game is sitting at 255 and I'm just going to take the under on that. Very nice. Uh, Ty, what about you? Yeah, I'm under too. And I think I'd go under on passing touchdowns for him as well in this matchup. Uh, Right. You know, one thing we always like to think some of these matchups are going to be a shootout, and they certainly have shootout potential, but I like to do that in matchups where I like the coaching staffs and the offensive yeah. coordinators a lot more, like a Carolina Panthers, for example. So I'm just going to I'm gonna avoid this one, too, with, with Matt Ryan. For sure. And D. Brown. Brock. Yeah, okay. D. Brown, what do you think for 290 and a half receiving yards? <laughs> Matt Ryan, give me the Our fucking bird. over, dude. <laughs> Are you kidding me? All Matt Ryan does is throw for 300 plus. <laughs> he did it the most last year. Him and James Winston tied for the most yeah. 300 yard passing games last year. Jules, polish us off on Matt Ryan. Oh, man. You guys are going to hate me, but I'm going to make you have to choose, uh, Trav, because I got the over as well. Yes. I hate it when you bastards do this. <laughs> but I guess, it's, I guess it's my money, so it makes complete sense, right? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go with the under. I'm sorry, D. You know I love Yo, you, buddy. Bro, I mean, you got the Atlanta expert on, and you're taking the under when the Atlanta <laughs> hey, has ever sold, retract that sold, statement, dude. sir. I am told we are going more, baby. He's okay. I mean, like, D. what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> you're here to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, Trav, I fully expect a you know a, a fucking degenerate tweet if Matt Ryan does not get over two ninety tomorrow. You're gonna you're gonna get one. You're okay, get one. I expect it. I if you don't do that, I mean I'll probably send you a tweet. Yeah, I would I will go I will have gone soft if I don't do that. I will be gone soft. Right. Um so okay, let's let's move on to Drew Locke. Jules, we're gonna start with you. Two sixty-eight and a half for uh old Drew Vember, as our buddy Jet Jetpack Galileo is calling it. I hit the over on that one too. That that feels like a pretty low line for what I project to uh to be a yeah. bit of a higher scoring game. D Brown? 
I'm going to take the under on that one, actually. Uh, Not so you know, convicted on this one, are you? <laughs> no, you know what? You know, he's going against my birds, even with a beat-up D. You know, Drew Locke, uh, there was a lot of hype around him over the offseason after a small sample size of, I think, five or six games last year. Uh, and all in all, he he's disappointed this year. He You know, he got beat up, missed, missed a little bit of time, but – uh, aside from the second half of last week's game, we really haven't seen much out of Drew Locke that I've uh, been impressed by. I'm taking the under here against my Burrs. Ty? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the under. I mean, Drew Locke only hit 210 yards passing in one of five games last year. And this year, he I mean, I'll give him credit. He's hit 245 yards passing in the last two games, so he's trending the right direction. But he didn't even hit 220 in either of the first three games of the season. So, you know, that would uh, that would be his second best game of his career. So I'll take the under just to be safe. Yeah, uh, Brian, I think I know where we're going to land here, but let me know what your answer is. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I'm t- I'm taking the over, so you're gonna have to be the deciding factor here. That Atlanta, they're giving up on average 323 yards passing the quarterbacks on the season, and uh, with a banged up running back core, and that being the only halfway decent part of their defense for Atlanta, I think Locke's gonna have to throw. I'm gonna go more. Jesus, what what are you guys even doing here if I'm making all these decisions? Um, <laughs> fuck it, we'll go more. We'll go more. Fuck it, I'm with yeah. you. I like that point about the running backs. Go more all up. the way around just while we're on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's Brian's answer on the Julio line of 95 and a half yards. Uh, Ty, what are you thinking for uh-huh. Julio hitting the Hundy Burger? Yeah, I'll go over with Julio easily. I think this is like a 160-yard blow-up spot for Julio for sure. A classic yeah, man. Any scores. Game. Yeah. yeah, D Brown, I think yeah. I could probably answer for you, but uh, why don't you indulge me anyway? Give me that over. I already told you, Julio's top five this week. He's about to smash Bryce Callahan, make him look yeah. like a little kid. Like a little <laughs> kid. <laughs> and Julian's probably going to go with the under just to piss us off, but we are taking the more. <laughs> What's the yeah, word, Julian? How, how am I going to tell you to hit the over on Matt Ryan without expecting 100 yards from Julio? I dig, you know it. I dig it. I dig it. All right, boys. I'm going to throw a 20 spot on that one. Uh, the multiplier. Ooh, big spender. Yeah, the multiplier is six times. So that'll be 100. Love the over game. Bank. Um, thank you, boys. I appreciate that. Um, just real quick before we ride out, I do want to say a quick word from our sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight. If you want the best DFS player prop games in the industry, jump onto Monkey Knife Fight. Monkey Knife Fight is sweeping the nation right now, and we at True North are proud to be doing it along with them. They've got games for all sports and skill levels that are sure to keep you on the edge of your seat with endless opportunity to watch your winnings pile up. With our promo code TNFF, Monkey Knife Fight will match your first deposit up to $50. So sign up now with our promo code and you can get up to $50 of free money to start making some bank. Again, that's monkeyknifefight.com and the promo code is TNFF at your first deposit to start playing today.
And we're back in the spot with the True North crew and our friend D Brown from the Sons of Dynasty. Um, boys, we cleared the two-hour mark, but we're still ready to rock. I'm still, I'm still entrenched in my seat. Might need to take another smoke break in a couple minutes, but uh, in True North fashion, another marathon epi because we do nothing less but hit these matchups <laughs> thoroughly. Um, that's kind of what we do here at True North is we want to touch these matchups and everything we analyze from top to bottom. So it's a thorough approach and we provide all of the information that fantasy gamers need to go out and get these W's, whether it's just for this week or if it's for the rest of the season. So we appreciate anybody who stuck it out with us. Um, our, uh, our loyal fans will know this is kind of on brand for us. So um, we're here for a little bit. Uh, Josh is in the comments there saying we touch thoroughly. Um, way to make it weird, Josh. Only Josh is such yeah. a stand-up yeah. guy. Yeah, Josh is the man. We love uh, we love the whole crew over at True North. So go check out the whole podcast network. Um, Ty's just coming back from a bong hit, but uh, I am going to allow Ty. I know I killed your two of owner earlier, so uh, feel free to um, resume your erection for two attack of Uh Okay, so what Over were we talking about? Law. Him, he was coming off his first. Yeah, it's with the tongue, with the G. Yeah. So coming off his first start and whatever, whatever, everyone hates Tua now, one start. The guy got the win. First win by a lefty, I think, since Michael Vick, by the way. Uh, now Tua Tungai Loa has to travel across the country to play the Cardinals defense, which the Cardinals defense has been really good, guys. And the Cardinals are coming off their bye week. So that's always something you don't like to to see when they're facing a rookie quarterback who and they have a decent defense. So speaking of pleasant surprise defenses, the reason we kind of left this game so long, why it's so buried on this list, even though it's a really good football game, is it's a super low point total, just 49. And it actually opened at 48. And I was surprised to see, uh, because we know Arizona is playing super fast, but I didn't know how slow the Dolphins were playing. Check this out. The Cardinals are running exactly 10 more plays than uh, per game than the Dolphins this year. So we're really going to see somebody get to, you know, enforce their will, so to speak. Uh, we love to see the defense, the time of possession, the sustained drives, the red zone efficiency. Everything is coming together for this Kingsbury offense in Arizona. All the things they lacked in 2019. And that's what's allowed, like, all this no huddle and spread offense to really take flight. Why we're attaching to the Cardinals for fantasy. Um but the Dolphins, the Dolphins defense has just been sensational. So what are, because both these teams are allowing under, or sorry, Miami is allowing under 20 points per game this year. So what do you guys think is going to happen with this strength for strength matchup? I think the Dolphins are probably going to continue to try and protect Tua a little bit. Last week, he only had 22 pass attempts. The weird piece about that is that the, um, that the running back room in Miami is a bit of a mess there. Uh, we know Miles Gaskin's out and he's on the short-term IR. Uh, Matt Burita is actually out as well. They just uh, acquired DeAndre Washington from the Chiefs' practice squad. So it's looking like it's going to be the Jordan Howard show once again with, um, I don't think DeAndre Washington is even able to suit up yet. So it's going to be, um, it's going to be Jordan Howard and Patrick Laird in there. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how much they can actually sustain that running game to protect Tua or if he has to get unleashed a little bit uh, against the Cardinals who defense has been pretty decent so that's kind of where i think i think the the dolphins are going to try and play it another slower game kind of tie like you alluded to um but it you know if the cardinals can get up a couple of scores which we know that they can in any given game um it'll be interesting to see if they can stick to that 
So what do you think, Brian? Do you th- are you betting on the 30-point-per-game offense from Arizona, or are you betting on the 20-point-per-game defense from, from Miami? Uh, I, I, I'm going to go with the uh, Arizona offense here. They, uh, they've been moving the ball really good. I think Chase Edmonds coming in, he's going to be a little bit more efficient in the backfield than, than Drake's been. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the Arizona offense here. So that's that's the big story, right? Chase Edmonds in this one for fantasy. Uh, we're all firing him up this week. No doubt. The Dolphins are a really strong oh, yeah. defense, but they are a top 10 matchup for running backs still. They are racking Like, running backs are just racking up rushing yards and receiving yards and touchdowns against the Dolphins. What stood out? Uh, tra- like, Trav, the Drake is out, right? He's out. He's on yes, the IR. he is. He is on the IR. It is the Chase Edmonds show. Aside from that, there's no other concerns for the Cardinals. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be back and good to go. So, yeah. And, like, Edmonds already was, but now is, like, a really strong league-winning candidate for 2020 fantasy leagues around the globe, guys. So, if if you had to say, I'll go to you, D. Brown. Who do you want? Like, be bold if you want, but where would you rank Chase Edmonds rest of the season? Uh... You know, Chase Edmonds, as of right now, you know, obviously Kenyon Drake plays a role in where you're going to project him uh, moving forward, but he's a back-end RB1 for me uh, right now. You know, I was big on Chase Edmonds investing in him last year. Cliff Kingsbury coming into Arizona, you know, I was big on the play volume. Kenyon Drake never been a big believer in him, obviously, you know, but he looked good in his limited time last year when he came over to Arizona. But, you know, obviously I've ended up with a, quite a few shares of Chase Edmonds. Like I said, I bought into the volume last year, and I'm feeling pretty good about any and all of my shares at this point. Uh, Edmonds has looked like the better back, quite frankly. You know, Drake has struggled, and anywhere that you invested in him, you're probably uh, kicking yourself right now. Edmonds has looked like the better back, and this is the first time uh, this year that we're really going to get to see him have the bulk of the carries. And really, I mean, this is the turning point where if Edmonds balls out uh, tomorrow, you know, we could really see him become the 1A of this Arizona backfield. And, you know, uh, with Drake banged up, you know, not really sure when he's going to come back. But if Edmonds uh, really comes out here and balls out, I don't I don't see him letting loose of this, uh, you know, starting role moving forward. Totally. I think that's beautiful, beautiful stuff. We like Chase Edmonds. And this week he's probably a top 10, top 10 running back for everybody. But I kind of brush back the uh, brush past the fact that Arizona, they're favored by four and a half points in this game. So Vegas is still expecting them to put up some points in this game. Both teams, by the way, are five and two against the spread this year. Whatever side you fall on, hit that shit. And is anybody hitting Tua in Superflex this week? And I want to go to Jules because I think I asked you about uh, Drew Locke. Yeah, uh, I actually am starting uh, Tua in a super flex this week. Um, my choice was him or Philip Rivers, and um, and I, I'm playing the upside in, in what Tua can bring. You know, um, I think they they could get behind in this game with with that Cardinals offense, but you know, like you guys pointed out, this Miami defense is legit, and you know, they this this could actually be one of those games that uh, it looks like it's going to be a great fantasy game, and you know, both teams just kind of underproduced for fantasy pound the rock and control the clock. And, you know, I think that's possible with, with both these, um, these offensive minds. So 
you know, it'll be interesting. I'm excited about Edmonds in this game, but I'm not sure I'm a big fan of, of a lot of pieces here. No, and I, I think that's that's kind of the right answer for sure. Like, I, I And I think it's funny. Like, he's below Drew Locke and those guys we kind of talked about in expert consensus rankings. But I think he's definitely, like, just in that tier. But he's above mm-hmm. guys like Phillip Rivers. And then once you get past Phillip Rivers, you're talking Kyle <laughs> Allen. And then if the Luton starts right behind him and then – you know, other yeah. Keanu Reeves replacement quarterbacks. Actually, <laughs> uh, is Tua, I'm pretty sure Keanu, is Keanu a lefty in the replacements? Like, I'm pretty sure. Either that or he yeah, just Yeah, I think horrible. he is. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. Either that or he has horrible mechanics in that movie. Probably Yo. both. <laughs> Probably we both. Don't have, we don't have enough lefties in the league, man. You know, shout out to Tua, man. I really hope this man succeeds because we need another lefty. You know, I myself... I am a left-handed person. Are a lefty. Only yeah. now, now hear me out. Hear that. Many have labeled me ambidextrous. Okay. Many have labeled me. I'm not a label guy myself, but I write with my left hand, but I do everything else with my right hand. Any sports oriented things, I'm right-handed. The only thing I do with my left hand is write. Other than that, I'm right-handed, but the only you know, I thing. Yeah, no, hey, stranger danger, stranger danger. Hey, what what hand do you eat with, though? Uh, I'm both. It depends on what side of the plate I'm trying to grub. <laughs> wow, you are versatile. I like that. I like yeah. that. Hey, real quick, boys, just a correction. Shout out to um, our awesome fans in the comments. Kenyon Drake is, in fact, not on IR. He's He's been listed as day-to-day, but ruled out for this week. Um, so big shout out to everybody uh, keeping us keeping us in line. That was my bad. I was totally supposed to be on the injury front this this week, but uh, I blew it. Surprise, surprise! <laughs> Way to go, fearless leader. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Fake it till you make it, Brian. Okay, guys. So speaking of IR, speaking of IR, and speaking of blowing it, uh, guys, people just absolutely flush their fab down the toilet with with Matt Breida this week. And just to touch back, really? like, just to touch on, well, isn't he out? Isn't Matt Breed out in this case? Yes, he is. But, but how much was he going for on waivers? I mean, he was I actually just, kind I, of. I saw him for go for like a dollar in any of my leagues. Oh, really? Uh, he was like, I would have dropped a good chunk if he was out there on my waiver wires. I would have dropped a decent chunk on him before the the news of his injury for sure. Yeah, and I just I even uh, think of it like in every home league, he goes as somebody's waiver priority, right? He's just somebody yeah. who does get claimed on waiver. So I just, it, it, yeah, I guess Fab was the wrong way to put it. I was just trying to be poetic, Brian. Like, give me a break. <laughs> we're like, we're like, sorry, I played too much shit. Dynasty. Yeah. I didn't see him going anywhere. No, yeah. so that's a great point. But uh, Miles Gaskin, I think like. He's on the IR for sure. Um, that guy, man. that guy can uh, pipe in if I'm wrong about that one too. So no, the Dolphins, the Dolphins' strength of schedule against the run is spectacular during the fantasy playoffs. So we should still buy Miles Gaston. I think this is actually a good opportunity to do exactly that. But we're looking at a motley crew of running backs this week. If we are starting any of them, who would it be? Like, is anybody starting any of these running backs? None. <laughs> no, I don't want wow. to. I really don't want to. Like, okay. I, actually, I have to in a league. I have to in a league, but it hurts. Which yeah. one? Is it against I'm me? Jordan Howard. Give me Laird over Howard. I think I want Laird, yeah. but Oh, I'm playing him on a roster that's just like my entire bench is going to put up zeros this week. So it's like a must, must situation. But I'm not, I wouldn't play him over many people if I had them. So what like, about would you like play Lynn- him over Travis Homer? 
No. 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 Who? Um, Howard. Howard. Yeah. No. no. I'd rather have. I'd rather have Homer. Yeah, especially yeah. with the uh, the point total in that exactly. uh, Seattle yeah. game. Mm-hmm. And the implied total for Miami, like it's just the worst possible game to start. Yeah, no, sure. I really see this Miami game being kind of a slow game. Tua kind of gave us a glimpse of that last week. I don't think Arizona is going to have to have their foot pedal or their foot on the gas pedal uh, for much of this game. You know, I like Chase Edmonds, but I think Kyle Murray is going to kind of be able to slowly uh, chip away at this game. And it's kind of going to be a, a low scoring affair. Miami's defense has really kind of, kind of, come out the last couple of weeks they've looked good so uh i expect them Saving to get Howard a, uh, a little bit of a fit here and i think this is kind of going to be a low scoring slugfest yeah I, I totally agree with that and i think the only other watch in this game really is what happens in the slot in miami i think we want to watch that with isaiah ford getting traded in in division there that was kind of interesting um because like i, I just i think it's interesting because a lot of people are talking about what's his face lbj uh lynn bone jr who, yeah, he's, he profiles more as like a slot wide receiver gadget guy than he does a running back. Get those Wildcats going early 2000s Dolphin style. But I think I, maybe we'll get talk about Mike Gesicki because I think he's the big winner in the slot. and He's played the highest percent of his snaps in the slot among all tight ends since the beginning of 2019. But he's limited in overall snaps because of that. So now he can get on the field more because he is seeing the majority of his snaps as a slot wide receiver, essentially. And one of the guys who was vacuuming up uh, snaps snaps and targets in the slots at, uh, at times, Isaiah Ford, he's gone. So he's ranked as just the tight end 15 and expert consensus ranking this week. Do you guys like him against Arizona at all? I mean, they were historically bad against tight ends last year, but do you guys also think, can Mike Gesicki be a tight end one going forward? What do you think, Jules? Yeah. You know, I think Whenever you get a guy, especially you're talking about playing in the slot, when you get a, an athletic guy like that who's lining up on slot corners and, uh, you know, it's tough to defend. And, uh, you know, if they get them in some mismatches, they can, um, you know, use that to their advantage. And I think Mike Kosicki can eat. You know, we've, we've seen games where he's able to just be a monster, right? And then sometimes he disappears. So uh, you, you got to kind of – you know, know that 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 could be an outcome, but I think you can fire him up in this one, and uh, he can be a safety valve for Tua. Yeah, yeah, he is a solar eclipse for sure so far. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, I hope we see him more. What, D Brown? Do you think, uh, like, are you starting any wide receiver in this game after what we saw in in the first start with Tua? Uh, you know, if, if I can help it, no, I'm not. I'm not starting any Miami Dolphins this week. Um, you know, after what I kind of saw from Tua last week, I'll. You know, I'm a little discouraged uh, on their offensive potential right now. So if 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 I don't have to, I'm I'm looking not to start really any Miami Dolphins this week against Arizona. Like I said, I'm expecting this to kind of be of a a lower scoring affair. Um, I kind of want to see Tua open it up a little bit. You know, Preston Williams, Devonta Parker, Jacecki, all of them. Uh, there's not a single one that I'm feeling great about plugging into my starting lineup this week. What are you, are you on the same page there, Brian? Like, are you kind of worried that what we saw is that Miami's going to be a little more conservative? I, I am. I I think uh, I'm sort of. Uh, they have to show it before I'm going to play them confidently. I, I think it was, it was a tough, it was a tough matchup, you know, to a coming in against that uh, uh, defensive line for, for the Rams, you know, Do- 
Aaron Donald is going to fucking be right up in his grill. You know, you got uh, Ramsey back there lurking in the backfield. It's it's a lot to overcome. Luckily, their defense was able to hit a few scores, and Tua really didn't have to do a lot. You know, I I, I think it's kind of a blip on the radar. I think there's brighter times ahead, but I'm not starting anybody this week with any sort of confidence. Totally. And I, I think that's kind of the point I was trying to, like, I don't want to rush to judgment, even though I do agree with everything you guys are saying. It just, it wouldn't surprise me if Tua comes out and has a decent game. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of yeah. hedging because I said he would be successful, you know, <laughs> but uh, like, I, will I, I know. Well, I, I'll, I'll play Parker this week. I'm rolling yeah. him out in a couple lineups. Like ECR is. Yeah, I, I, you know, as as a wide receiver, two, three option, right? Hopefully a three. Yeah. Right? That's the best case scenario. I'm feeling pretty good about that. You know, someone's going to have to catch the ball. Someone's going to have to make plays. I do think that, um, you know, it's a lower scoring affair. But, you know, there there is still going to be some fantasy points in this game. And uh, if I'm putting my money on someone to get it, it's probably Parker. And look, and, that uh, ramp. Chan- Chandler it. Jones is, uh, you know, going to be out he this gone. week too. So worth mentioning that, you know, the Dolphins could find some success running inside with uh, the Cardinals missing that key piece on their interior D line. Sure. So just something to monitor. Uh, you know, if you're in, if you're in a jam and you find yourself wanting to play Howard or Laird, uh, you know, Cardinals are uh, missing that key piece there, which could open up some opportunities. That's a good point. We've seen a lot of interior d- defense players really muck that up for people. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Tua going forward because Devontae Parker and Gasecki really disappointed in that first one. Just two targets apiece. Devontae Parker did catch the loan to a touchdown. And Preston Williams I actually still like, even though he had a handful of targets, but a couple brutal drops. Does anyone want to venture a guess on how many receiving yards the Dolphins leader had in Tua Tangavailoa's debut? 16. Yeah, out of boy, Brian. So you Fucking guessed it. Dirty. And it was Miles Gaskin. Gross, and of course, man. Durham Smythe was tied for the most receiving yards on our team. So yeah, could have could have gone. Uh, that's a pretty that's a pretty disappointing pretty pretty disappointing total there. Uh, so what do you? We don't really need to talk about a lot more on the Cardinals. What do you guys think about Christian Kirk this week though, and going forward? Yeah, I, I, I don't mind. Like, I, I think you're rolling him out as a wide receiver three, and that's kind of what you expected when you drafted him. So, um, I, I, you know, I'm I'm starting Christian Kirk in my Scotty Fishbowl this week. Uh, you know, I'm must be nice. Gonna put him in. Gonna put him in in places that you that you have him. I think. Um, yeah, just a talented player. I always thought Christian Kirk was gonna kind of fill that Will Fuller role for Nook. You know, he uh, he, he takes majority of the work, and then there's you know, there's the deep shot guy under over top and Andy Isabella fits that profile as well. So I, I think there's options, but you know, Christian Kirk's had, he's had eight targets in each of the past two games and um, he's getting involved in the offense, two touchdowns and not even long touchdowns. They were, you know, short, um, they were mm-hmm. in the red zone. So, you know, that, that just kind of speaks to, he doesn't have to just be a deep ball guy to, to have value. So I'll throw him out there. Yeah, but he certainly is that deep ball guy in that offense this year. God, yeah, he, rest, yeah, for sure. God rest mm-hmm. the soul of my Andy Isabella dynasty shares. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, honestly, if you look at his average depth of target, the deep targets, it is off the charts in relation to Christian Kirk's career numbers. It's just crazy. And now he has back-to-back games over 
20 fantasy points in PPR. So it's like almost impossible mm. to not call him a solid wide receiver three going forward. So I think uh, it, it's wheels up, but this is definitely a tough matchup. He's only the wide receiver 42 in expert consensus rankings. And that is because the Dolphin secondary is just mean. Uh, so True. Nuke Hopkins is somebody obviously over 20 points per game. We're not worried about it all though. And uh, we really aren't starting anybody else. So should we keep going here? Or what are you guys thinking? I'm down for a few more. Yeah, let's keep rapid firing through these bad boys and try and get through as many as we can. Okay, so let's do uh, another bad game for fantasy. A really good game for football. The Ravens and the Colts, Mm -hmm. a battle of teams who are both 5-2. And and the Ravens are playing the former Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Sorry, the Colts are playing the former Baltimore Colts. That that was what I was going for. There you go. Um, but can we trust anybody from either offense is kind of annoying. Like both teams present bad matchups in this matchup too, across the board. Um, I don't even know if these teams are as good as the record suggests too. The Ravens are coming off a bye week loss, uh, to Pittsburgh. Lamar struggled to throw the ball and no rest for the wicked. Cause this is top five Colts defense against the pass and the run. And the Ravens defense has been stout too. Both defensive units are allowing under 20 points per game this year. So, both offenses are top half in the league in points scored. That's why we, so I'm looking at a 48 point total. So are we even very interested in looking at this game? It opened at 45 and a half trap. I'm going for the under. I'm definitely going for the under. And I think the tricky piece about this game is the ambiguity in the situations that we ideally want out of these teams, right? So I think both teams were not really looking at the wide receivers as people we want to rely on. I personally don't think I would start any wide receiver in this game. Uh, It it would have to be kind of dire straits for me. Uh, Mark Andrews, I think you can start. But for me, I would be looking ideally at the backfields in these teams, like good running games, good offensive lines, Lamar Jackson on one side. Um, But we've seen, for the Jonathan Taylor side. Naheem Hines has been a thorn in that. And then Jordan Wilkins with the big 20 spot as far as carries this past week, where JT only got 12. So uh, I think it's really ambiguous, Aaron. Hard to start those guys. You may you may be relying on Jonathan Taylor or maybe you picked up Jordan Wilkins off that 20-point game, but it's going to be really hard to expect any big production. So you got to be a little bit careful there and ready to take a lump. And then same as in the... Uh, in the Ravens backfield with Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Ingram is uh, looking like he's going to be out of this game. Um, So I think he actually has been ruled out officially. So uh, I'm looking at Dobbins as the guy I would start out of that, but the Colts are the best defense as far as fantasy points given up to running backs. So uh, I think that's a really hard one to bank on, even with JK Dobbins looking good against your Stillers last week, Ty. So um, yeah, it's just a really hard matchup to buy into, to anything being certain. Well, for for me, what really stands out in this game is like Lamar Jackson, how he performs in this game probably goes a long way to like how we value him the rest of the season. He's like teetering right now. Brian, what are you are you like if you had Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson, who are you playing this week? I'm going to play the hot hand and play uh, Herbert in, in this one. You know, it's 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 tough, especially if you got both those guys on your your roster because you you drafted Lamar Jackson to be this top asset, you know, you drafted him high and unfortunately you took a, an L on that. And I'm, I'm going to play Herbert in, in a matchup like this. So Jules says valued as a top 10 quarterback and your fantasy trade deadlines coming up. Are you trying to trade for Lamar Jackson or are you trading him away? 
Well, I think it all depends on the price for me. I, I'm not really trading him away because I think his value is just it's too low right now. You know, where you took him in, especially if this is a super flex league, you know, you, you had to take him in the top five picks. And, um, and you know, and some people even in, in, in normal one QB leagues were taking him in the second, you know, third rounds almost to steal for for some guys. So, um, you know, I, I think it's hard to it's hard to move on from that and just cut your losses when you invested so much. And, you know, it's, it's half of a season, you know, it, it'll, it'll, I do believe it'll come from Lamar Jackson. That's why I'd be buying them. But I think this yeah. is the window. And if it will eventually, I mean, the Ravens get Jacksonville and the New York giants in weeks 15 and 16. So ironically, Lamar could still win some folks, their leagues this year. Uh, what are we thinking about the Ravens? Yeah. What are we thinking about the Ravens running backs? They have not been the league winning candidates. We thought they might be this year. Eh? Um, like get out the, get out the tissues here. It's pretty bad, but what, what are we thinking in a really tough matchup for JK Dobbins? Uh, what do you, what are you thinking there? D Brown? Uh, you know, I, I I don't mind J.K. Dobbins this week. If uh, if I'm looking for a uh, ceiling play for the Baltimore Ravens, it's obviously J.K. Dobbins. I like what I saw out of him last week. You know, with Mark Ingram sidelined and with Ingram sidelined again this week, uh, I'm willing to go back to the well. Uh, you know, he was super efficient on his touches last week, and uh, you know, even with a tough matchup, I'm hoping. Uh, you know, they just kind of start to ease him in a little bit more. Uh, and he, he's been one of the, the more more efficient with his touches there in Baltimore. So I'm hoping they can kind of get him a, a, a few more and kind of uh, ease him into this game. You know, uh, J.K. Dobbins is, you know, I've kind of talked about this a little bit in the past, but uh, Baltimore's, running game is what I'm starting to kind of view as a mirage of sorts. Um, you know, I, you mean it, they're not going to break their own record from last year for the best rushing <laughs> offense of all time? Well, not only that, but you know, one of the most potent run games in the NFL and yet we can't really seem to get a running back that feeds off of that, you know, uh, Mark Ingram, as good as he was this past year, you know, efficient, getting getting touchdowns and stuff, you know, without really getting that true workhorse role and, you know, Lamar Jackson being really the, the best rushing threat on this Ravens team, you know, uh, I've kind of been looking to get out from underneath uh, J.K. Dobbins where I can in Dynasty, Um and I don't know if that's going to come back to bite me or not, but I'm I'm kind of starting to get out from underneath this Baltimore running back room. I just don't know that I can trust that the uh, Baltimore running backs are going to get what I'm looking for as far as a fantasy football running back. So I'm just kind of floating that out there. You guys can weigh in, but I'm f- starting to begin to really kind of turn my efforts towards fading the Ravens running back room. I think the problem with the running back room is that we just didn't expect so many people to be involved. Like they still lead the league in rushing yards. They're sixth in rushing attempts um, and they're averaging five and a half yards per attempt rushing. So um, it still is 
like when you look at the numbers, a good running game, but it's just spread between so many people that it's just become so unreliable. I think you were spot on there, D, that if it, this continues, we don't want a piece of it. But if we were to see it be a two-man uh, show in the running backs in the running back room with Dobbins and Edwards or whatever happens with Ingram, um, then I think it might clear up a little bit. But until we see that, I, I think you're spot on that it's a mirage. Yeah, and I, I think you guys are both right. Like it's just regression hitting and D Brown, I love what you said about what makes up like a top twelve running back and the fact that you have to sell him based on the fact that he probably doesn't have he's not ticking most boxes when it when when you look at it. And you even look at last week, Trav, like with the splits, he got just one catch for eight yards, even though he's in yeah. that receiving role in a negative game script against the Steelers. <clears throat> Sorry. And uh, Dobbins wasn't the leader when it comes to volume, by the way. Gus and Lamar Jackson outcarried Dobbins <laughs> last week, which is it's kind of funny to look back on that. Uh, so a lot of, I mean, we're starting Dobbins. What are we starting? Anyone starting Gus Edwards? Only, only if need be. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're, we're starting Demarcus Robinson over him. So yeah, that's yeah, right. That's right. That's right. Good ball. Good ball. <laughs> And yeah, we should we should point out that they are playing the Colts this week. Who they're coming off a game where they gave up just eight rushing yards combined to Adrian Peterson, DeAndre Swift. They've allowed under 450 rushing yards to running backs all season long. So it's pretty pretty crazy. I don't I don't really want Gus Edwards in this matchup. It's that bad. Um, so yeah, and also like there's just zero. We talk about pass catching. Gus Edwards will never catch a pass. It's just like not even in his range of outcomes. It's crazy, which sounds suspiciously guys. Like I'm talking about the wide receiver one in this offense, by the way. So what are we doing with Marquise Hollywood Brown here? Uh, kind of another toughie. Like Indy just doesn't allow very many air yards at all, but Hollywood has scored in two of his last three games. Uh, is that enough for us to be starting to squeeze him into our lineups? What do you think D Brown? Uh, you know, I'm not going to force Hollywood into my lineups by any means, but if I have him and I'm looking for an option at wide receiver, I don't mind Hollywood this week. You know, he's he's shown us at least a little bit of consistency as far as volume goes. While it's not gaudy numbers, you know, as far as uh, target share goes, he's hovering around that 20-plus percent area with, you know, roughly six targets per week. And with Hollywood Brown, you know, I'll live with that. Uh. You know, it's not great, and the volume, passing volume is never going to be elite as far as Baltimore's passing game goes. But, you know, I don't mind uh, testing the waters with uh, Hollywood Brown this week. You know, just like Tyreek Hill, it only takes one to really uh, break the slate. And with uh, six, six opportunities per game, I don't mind Hollywood Brown this week. Brian, do you think he's like a top 24 wide receiver this week? And kind of going forward, like, do you think of him as a top 24 guy? Uh, I, I think he's sort of right on that border. And like D was saying, he's he he only takes that one one shot to put you over the edge. And in in this last week, you know, he he kind of called out Lamar and, and the staff saying he wants the ball more. And, you know, sometimes the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? You know, you, this week you might you might see him get a couple more looks. He might get that deep shot. You know, Lamar might hit him a little bit more efficiently like he was doing last year, and you might benefit from that. So I have no problem playing with, with him this week. I am I am not there. Um, just to chime in real quick, uh, Hollywood has one week as uh, with a better finish than – 
top 36. So every week aside from one, he's been a wide receiver three or worse. Uh, he's hitting my bench. Brian, I like all that stuff you said, and I know that he can get that any single week, um, but there's a lot of ifs there. And I don't think it's necessarily a Hollywood issue. I think it's a, a bit of that issue has been Lamar Jackson's passing and, and not being able to hit him necessarily. So uh, he's bench riding for me until I see a little bit more consistency. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a yeah. hard one. You know what? Me too, Trav. And the other reason I think of is just the matchup. I think it's the matchup in particular that I'm really worried about because you think of last week, you know, he scored a touchdown, but that three-yard grab was his only catch of the game. That touchdown was a three-yard touchdown. And uh, his only other bad matchup this year was against the Chiefs, who we talked about with Brashad Breeland. His six targets were good for 13 yards in that game. So I, I, I am worried about Hollywood this week. ECR is not as worried. He's the wide receiver 23 in expert consensus rankings. Uh, what about like Mark Andrews is somebody, I guess we can skip to save time, but I will say that Mark Andrews has been the most boomer bust player in fantasy football this year. When he hits, you are getting a huge advantage at the tight end position, but in four games, he hasn't scored 17 and a half PPR points or more. He's under six and a half fantasy points in all of those games. So, you know, we know that he scores a lot but he's playing the Colts this week who are the only team in the NFL who have allowed zero touchdowns to the tight end position. Um, Trav, do you have wh what's going on with the Colts for injuries this week? Do you have that by chance? Yes, I do. Um, Mo Ali Cox with a knee injury was questionable, limited throughout the week. Um, obviously, we're not hoping that he's a key, key piece for your rosters. T.Y. Hilton is doubtful with a groin injury. I uh, didn't practice all who? week. T.Y. <laughs> Never heard of him. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Um, and then Michael Pittman and Marcus Johnson were both full participants on Friday, and it looks like they're both going to go. So those two, you got Zach Pascal, um, the tight ends. You got Trey Burton in there and uh, old Jackie Doyle. So it's going to be a really hard one to peg who's going to be the pass catcher. I think for me, it might even be Zach Pascal as the guy that I want the most. Um but again, I'm not starting any of these guys if if I'm not in dire straits. Yeah, what stands out to me there is it sucks that both those running backs are playing. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> we always like we always like healthy bodies. We want human yeah. beings to all be super healthy. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor in particular has been just super yeah. frustrating because without Marlon Mack, like that's what drives me nuts. He's living that dynasty upside right now, but he's barely inside the top 24, the running back position in PPR. And same goes for his week nine ranking and expert consensus ranking, by the way, Hines is just killing Taylor in the passing game because the market share is there for the running back position. And Naheem for a dream scored two receiving touchdowns last week. That pissed me off as well. And it sucks because Taylor has shown how explosive he can be after the catch already. But at least JT is getting the rushing work, right, boys? Wrong. Jordan Wilkins, 20 carries last <laughs> week. And the rushing touchdown last week as well. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's been a top 12 running back just one time this year because he really is losing out on some of these most valuable touches. So what say you, D. Brown? Do you see him being able to right the ship this week in a game where the Colts are underdogs for Jonathan Taylor? Uh you know, I I put I pushed my chips behind Jonathan Taylor the last few weeks. It seems like now he's had a couple of uh, smashed spots. It seems like the last few weeks, and it's kind of been underwhelming. So you know, forgive me if I'm kind of starting to fade the hype a little bit. And I think you kind of uh, can hear that echoing in the dynasty realm as well. JT starting to feel like uh, you know. He's not really performed up to what the offseason hype was presenting to us. Um, you know, 
And with Marlon Mack being out too, it really stings that much harder. As soon as Mack went down, you know, just like CEH with Williams, it was kind of green light, green light, green light. And both have kind of seemed to really kind of shit the bed as far as what we were preferring to happen. Um, You know, so I have reservations this week as far as JT goes and, uh, you know, that Colts offense in general, Phillip Rivers spreading the ball around, really no telling who it's going to go to. And with the uh, emergency of uh, Jordan Wilkins, you know, it came out after the game, uh, Rivers attributed (sighs) that maybe JT was a little dinged up, but. You know, I don't really know uh, what's going on there as far as their offensive running back prowess goes. So, uh, you know, I have reservations for JT this week. Obviously, if you have them in certain areas, you're going to start them. But, uh, you know, I'm not feeling uh, uber confident. No, I love what you said about the offense spreading around there. That's totally what's going on. And uh, also about the rookie running backs. Like, it just trips me out to to James Robinson, everybody. Uh, yeah all these rookie running backs and James Robinson is easily going to be the like lone running back one in fantasy this year. It just, it, that's crazy to think about. Uh, what are we doing about uh, like Naeem Hines isn't somebody I'm ready to start, but he's running back 34 in expert consensus ranking. So is, are, are, are people playing Naeem Hines now? I feel like if you are, you're, you're, you're chasing the touchdowns that occurred last week right now. So, you know, you're obviously I'm not, I'm not looking to start him, you know, if I'm in the PPR league and I'm, and I'm up shit Creek, obviously I don't mind plugging him in. Uh, but you know, above being in a bind, I'm not looking to start Hines anytime soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jules, yeah, Jules, do. do you like Hines or Wilkins? Uh, you know, I, I kind of look at this as a three-headed horse right now, and I'm not really sure who it's going to be from week to week. So, you know, I'm not feeling real confident about any of them in my lineup. I think if I had to play one, it would be JT. Um, but I, I'm not feeling great about it, you know? Yeah, it's funny how, like, locked into RB2 status JT is now. It's sad. Um, yeah. Like, back-end running back, too, almost. So, looking sure. at these wide receivers, we were on Michael Pittman watch. He had just one target, a short, boring catch last week. Zach Pascal is Travis's guy, and I kind of agree because he's just eating targets in the slot. And then you have this tight end by committee that's almost as annoying as this running back by committee. And speaking of annoying, T.Y. Hilton is unstartable, even when healthy. I think I already showed mm-hmm. my dismay for him. Yeah. So trade him for Jalen Rager or somebody <laughs> will buy on name brand value or something like just get anyone for him, you know? Yeah. Uh, do that. And then, yeah. So Zach Pascal, Marcus Johnson, these are the guys we're kind of watching. And then obviously hopefully Pittman can have a better game. Uh, toss in any points you guys want to make on the Colts before we move on. Actually, maybe does anybody think Trey Burton is a top 12 tight end too? No. Mm. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, let me then. I think he can something. <clears throat> I, I think he can be started. You know, he's got that touchdown upside and his matchup isn't horrible. Uh, I'm starting him in one league, but I don't want to start him. He's not a great start. Totally. And I just, I think Burton has a touchdown in back-to-back games, a receiving and a rushing touchdown, and he is involved in their play calls at the goal line. You know what I mean? Like Burton's just that guy. So I think, Getting past the top 10 tight ends, you are just hoping for a touchdown a lot of the time at the tight end position. And Burton just isn't a bad bet from that angle, I don't think. And just RIP Allie Cox dreams. 
That no came doubt. out wrong. Yeah. That came out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Phrasing. Moving on. Yeah. Next up, I have the Detroit Lions at the Minnesota Vikings 10 a.m. game. The Vikings are coming off a huge win. Dalvin Cook was easily the, the week eight MVP in the NFL, let alone fantasy. Yeah. Dalvin single-handedly just cooked the Packers. The Lions, on the other hand, got blown out by the aforementioned Indianapolis Colts. They look so bad trying to run the ball. The momentum these teams have coming into this game, I think, could continue, too. The Vikings have the Lions number big time. Uh, and we're kind of ushering in a new era in Minnesota. So, you know, I just I, I think it's crazy because they got just whooped in the season series last year. Matt Patricia is 0-4 against the Vikings as the Lions head coach. And even worse, Detroit has failed to put up Double digits on the scoreboard in three of four games, seven points in their most recent matchup, nine points in both games in 2018. So I think the Vikings are the play here and the under feels like the play here. Uh, anyone want to fight me on those? Uh, yeah, let me jump in real quick. Um, as far as Matthew Stafford goes, some ambiguity as far as his starting uh, availability this week. And just within the last hour, Adam Scheffler did tweet and said that no Matthew Stafford who was activated off of the reserve COVID list Saturday is not yet clear. Stafford's COVID test from Saturday morning is still needs to come back negative on Sunday morning in order for him to be able to play against the Vikings. So a situation to monitor need to say, um, you know, be aware Matthew Stafford, as of right now, it's looking like he's going to play. And as long as nothing mm -hmm. comes back to say, otherwise I'm assuming that's going to be the case. But be agile in the morning. Stay water, my friends. That one is super important too, D. Branner, because I left out the first matchup between these two teams from this season. That was a barn burner that Minnesota won 42 to 30. So I was kind of burying the lead for fun there. Uh, if you look closer into this into this matchup, Stafford didn't play into that in that you know he didn't play in the low scoring matchup from last season. He did play in that barn burner from earlier this year. So uh, I just think it's interesting that 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 game was a seventy two point total. It's twice as high as any of the other three matchups these two teams have played with these current coaching regimes and those three other games. The Lions and Vikings combined for thirty six points or under. So. A lot to a lot to look at there. Do you guys think this game has shootout potential so long as Matt Stafford's playing? As long yeah, as Stafford's does. playing, yeah. The, the interesting piece is that Kenny Galladay is not playing in this one, so he's not going to have that weapon down the field. It looks like a Marvin Jones game potentially, um, but who knows, right? This game could go either way. Um What's that over under at again, Ty? I'm um, just looking at. It. I think it's 52 or something. 52 it's and big. a half. Yeah. Wow. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the under on that. I think I'm gonna go the under. Just, uh, just because Matt Stafford coming back, it looks like he's gonna play, but the running game's been a little bit off lately, and uh, I think he's gonna need that as he recovers. Well, I think it's kind of interesting. Like, I, I think, I think it's hard to bet on a game going over fifty-two and a half when you have Matt Stafford and Kirk Cousins and a Minnesota Vikings offense who might just run the ball fifty-five times in a game. But what, what you look at is these two teams just have horribly, inconceivably, unbelievably bad secondaries. Like the set, these are the mm -hmm. two worst secondaries I think probably in all of football. Um, but yeah, I think the under was always the play, Trav. I think you're right. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> 
But it does worry me. Like, I was looking at it. This line hasn't moved all week. Like, it opened at 52.5, and, and it just hasn't moved. So it's trippy, and neither is the spread. The Vikings are 4.5-point favorites. So not much fanfare behind the hmm. Lions' offense this week, if it, you know what I mean. And it's interesting that it didn't move even with Matt Stafford cropping up with COVID during the week and having a miraculous three-day recovery and being back, right? So, Well, I think a lot of people are going to argue for him. Sorry, he never tested positive though. I I think it was uh, yeah, it was the, it was the contact. It? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. But even so, like as long as he just tested negative for five days, and it was it was just assumed that it was contact. He never showed up, and he was going to be mm-hmm. playing. And he's a vet, so if it's he hasn't practiced, what is that really to Stafford? You know, it, at this stage in his game, you know. Mm-hmm. And plus, mm-hmm. like he's a guy for fantasy. He's only put up. He hasn't scored more than twenty three fantasy points in any game this year. So he's just, you know, I know he's going to be argued as a quarterback one in this good matchup. Actually, Jules, say you had Big Ben and Matt Stafford. You know, Big Ben's in a juicy matchup against the Cowboys. Who are you going with? Yeah, I think I throw Ben out there in this one. I think it's just a safer play. Uh, you know, I do, I do like Matt Stafford, but. You know, what we've seen from that Steelers offense is, you know, I, I want that on my fantasy team. I am playing Matt Stafford in a few leagues this week, but, uh, you know, I've, I'm uh, throwing – I got Drew Brees in over him. one, I'm, And that one I'm, I'm debating here. You know, I'm looking at that. And I'm probably going to be tilting tomorrow morning all the way up till till 11 a.m., right, because he's got <laughs> – he's just that Sunday nighter, right? And uh, he, he had popped up with the on the COVID injury report as well. So – Definitely some stuff to mm-hmm. monitor, and um, you know, I, I like Ben though. I like Ben this week. Yeah, they're both, and Ben definitely has the weapons. Whereas Stafford can probably throw deep a little bit more. I think I just haven't made up my mind on Stafford. Like I was super worried. He started the season five straight games under 300 yards passing. Mm-hmm. He's over 330 yards in back-to-back games now. In week seven, two weeks ago, I was like, do it against not the Falcons, right? Sorry, D Brown, who's not here right now. Uh, but last week, Stafford posted the best game by a quarterback in fantasy all season against Indianapolis, who we're afraid of with Lamar Jackson. So, you know, it's just one of those things where there's so many rabbit holes I can go down and I won't even know after this week anyways, because he plays the Vikings and he probably will have, you know, 23 points right in that range. Yeah. But Stafford over Ben. I'm playing Stafford over Ben. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. It, that's think, coming from two uh, Steelers guys, too. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'll I, trust I, I, I'll I just trust see, it. I see this, I see the game script like the Pittsburgh Steelers could score four touchdowns on fucking interceptions, and Ben doesn't have to do anything and throw for 150 yards and gets benched at halftime. So, so you're saying, so you're saying it's an Anthony McFarland game? <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know? I just, I, I worry about. I mean, you just said it yourself, Ty. He, had, he didn't hit 300 yards for the first five games, and a lot of that was without Kenny G, right? And now Kenny G was back, and he goes above 300 yards, and now he's out again. So, you know, hmm. we'll see what we got there. And, uh, you know, I, I I was a big Matt Stafford believer all offseason. I got him in quite a few places as my QB2 in a lot of super flex leagues. And, you know, so I am rolling him out there, and I, I like that matchup, but I – do have some concerns as well that it just doesn't all come together. Yeah. 
Um, speaking of coming together, we really thought these running backs, man, alive. We thought it was going to be a changing with guard a little bit here, but last week was so bad. So where do we stand with DeAndre Swift, Trav, this week and rest of the season? Top 24 in PPR or no? Ooh, I think that's like the push point is top 24. Um, just because I think he does have that pot- potential to continue to get more of that workload. But Adrian Peterson is like the NFL's cockroach. He just will not go away. Um, he's like, you know, it's like... Oh, him come and on, Frank that's Frank Gore. I know, they both of them. Fuck <laughs> it. There's more, there's more well, I'll tell you what. You, this week, you guys are both right. In week nine, you know... Daryl Bevel is going to give his boy Adrian Peterson the rock in this revenge game. Like yeah, 100%. double revenge game, by the way, for Daryl yeah. Bevel. And yeah. exactly, exactly. Bro. Good point. Um, so yeah, AP is probably going to be a thorn in Swift's side, uh, at least this week and probably throughout the rest of the season, just because they kind of want to pound it. So it's hard, man. It's hard. I think you got to start DeAndre Swift as a flex. Yeah, you have to. Off. You have to. And like you probably drafted him in like the fifth, sixth round, right? So you definitely have to based on where your roster is at, based on the injuries that have happened around him on your roster probably. So, yeah, you're just kind of hoping for that big play touchdown with him. But uh, it's hard. Yeah, it he's, sucks. he's ranked as the running back 15 in expert consensus ranking. You know, the wow. Vikings, it's a pretty good matchup. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And speaking of good matchup, let's go into these pass catchers super quick with Kenny Galladay out. The Vikings secondary is beyond awful. Marvin Jones used to dominate the Vikings as rivalry with, with Professor X was no Tlaib Crabtree rivalry, but it was, it was a great wide receiver cornerback duel. I love that one. Uh, this new age though, do you guys think there's room for Marvin Jones to eat in this matchup or will it be, a lot of the run game or spread in the, around in the offense, like TJ Hawkinson's guy I'm really thinking about there. Yeah, I like TJ Hawkinson in this one. Um, you know, I think I think he's the he's the lead dog for these. One second. Just um, yeah, I think he's the lead receiver here. Sorry, I had a different screen pulled up. I couldn't see it. <laughs> um, and, you know, I wanted to I wanted to throw this out there. You guys like Marvin Hall at all? Any interest there? I definitely think he's somebody no. you have to like. He, he, I think, a deep fifty-yard bomb that is a ten percent likelihood of happening. You know, in any game yeah. that would go to Marvin Jones could go to Marvin Hall. Yeah, like who knows? I'm not starving for either Marvin either. Yeah, <laughs> I'll play Seafood overhaul. Yeah. yeah, 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 totally. Like I think he's yeah. a play overhaul for sure. Yeah. And you know, I bring those yeah. guys up because a touchdown is the way anybody's going to score for fantasy owners in this matchup, and it's a good bet for a touchdown, despite almost half the league having an extra game under their belt compared to the Vikings. Nobody has allowed more touchdowns to the wide receiver position. Wide else have cashed in 15 times against the Vikings this year already. Um, I think it's interesting, though, because Marvin Jones is sort of heating up, guys. Like, after mm-hmm. just one touchdown, failing to top 55 yards receiving in any of the first five games this season, Jones has season highs in fantasy in back-to-back weeks. The reason I'm a little bit hesitant, though, is the guy where, you know, Jules, you said, like, it's so fun watching a blossom, TJ Hawkinson, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's how ugly the tight end position is, but he's pretty much like a top five tight end in PPR right now. It's crazy with Kittle set to miss time. It kind of blows my mind. He also had 10 targets last week. I think it sounds crazy, but I have more faith in Hawkinson uh, and touchdown upside than I do with Marvin Jones. And it's just what we saw earlier in the year was Marvin Jones having a hard time scoring in fantasy because TJ Hawkinson scoring all these touchdowns, right? That could have gone to Marvin Jones, but Mm -hmm. TJ Hawkinson, like he scored in three straight games before this Colts game last week, who haven't allowed to score to a tight end all year. 
And Marvin Jones scoring a deuce last week wasn't a death nail for Hawkinson. He still saw 10 targets, right? So I'm saying Hawkinson hurts Jones, not the other way around, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then add 1,000 bonus points for Hawkinson being a tight end. Uh, any Anybody have any anything to add on Detroit? Anything? I think that was really well put, guy. Yeah, yeah. killed it. So who, who's the other team in this game? The Vikings. The Vikings, right? Yeah. yeah. Just killing it. Just killing it over here. We are uh, also just cleared the three hour mark, buddy. We just cleared the three hour mark. We can let that slip. So should we go? <laughs> should we make this our last game or what do you guys think? Yeah, maybe we maybe we cut her after this one. Um, any of our viewers, we still got people in there, which is incredible. We really, really thank you for the support. The questions, guys. I don't know if you've been looking at the comments. Everybody is bumping and we really appreciate really? that. Yeah, sorry that uh, I haven't been able to keep up with posting the questions too much. I've been trying to answer them in the chat um and keep us on track just because we are at the three hour mark so um we we appreciate everybody um but yeah ty let's finish off the vikings here and then we'll we'll ride out here yeah so uh like we could just talk cousins we could i mean i think the reason the vikings are favored by the way shows up in this game like the vikings went pure dalvin cook mode against your packers ha 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 Last week, one of the best teams in football. Sorry, Jules. It's just like everyone was so all over the Packers again. You know what I mean? I thought it was. I thought it was. Funny. Yeah. I'm just it's, glad uh, I didn't play against Dalvin in any leagues, so I didn't have too, to yeah. suffer that defeat twice. You know. That's almost like it's an equal feeling to winning a fantasy football matchup when yeah. you're not playing that guy who just exploded in the week. You know what I mean? Like 100%. it's almost as good as winning a match. Yeah. Same yeah. thing. Anyway, just as good when Adams blows up. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no kidding. Anyways. So, and Aaron Rodgers just playing the way he is. Yeah. And so I'm look, you, you think of the Vikings, you think of running, you think of Kubiak. That's the team's identity, right? They were one of three teams last year to run the ball over half the time. They're one of three teams this year to be running the ball half the time. And if they have success flexing, like flexing their muscles in the run game this year, I think the Lions could fall to 5 0 oh, and 5 against, uh, against the Vikings under Matt Patricia. I think they might too, because the Lions their linebackers are so bad. They've allowed over 115 rushing yards to running backs per game. Lions are also one of a handful of teams giving up over one rushing touchdown per game to running backs. So it ain't going to be no cook's day off here, guys. But do we think, like, are we worried about Dalvin Cook performing and somebody like, like, is it going to hurt Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson going forward? Because that's what we saw last week against the Packers. I think it hurts both of them producing. I think one of them will produce on any given week, but it could become hard to tell who's going to be the guy for that if Dalvin is humming along like he was last week, right? So uh, especially against the Detroit Lions, who are one of the worst teams against the run, um, both in the receiving game and the rushing game, it's going to be it's going to be a big game for Dalvin, I think. And I think that could be to the detriment of one of these guys. It's almost going to be... And it's weird because both of those guys have really versatile skill sets as well. But Adam Thielen has been like the deep guy this year. So it almost could be kind of defense specific. Uh, Ty, I think you and I were talking before about how the Steelers wide receiver core is going to be really specific to who they're playing, whether you need that slot guy or you need the big play guy. Um, I think this could be kind of a similar situation between those two guys. I think the lucky thing for us is that there's only two of them, right? Is that, you know, it's not three or four guys that are splitting all that work. So uh, very yeah. low volume though mm-hmm, for sure so i think one of those guys is going to perform every week but we might see the second guy be a little bit more spotty um and we have to be really sharp in picking who that's going to be week to week yeah so maybe because last game we'll dive into it then because i want to know 
Like, I think it's interesting. This is the, like, the Vikings, like, I just, I don't even know how to articulate it. Like, they've been, they've had a strength of schedule that has been so easy against the pass this year. And mm-hmm. they have one of the toughest strength of schedules versus the pass in the, in the second half of 2020. So, do you think Adam Thielen, Jules, is a top 12 wide receiver comfortably down the stretch? Like, are you willing to say he's a wide receiver mm-hmm. one? Top 12, that, that seems like a stretch to me. I, I've got him sitting, uh, you know, closer in the top end wide receiver two range. Um, you know, I think you're going to get good weeks out of him, but I agree with Trav. I think it's going to alternate as to as to who's who, um, who hits on each week. And I think Dalvin Cook is the focal point of this offense, and, and that's what it'll revolve around, not and not about, about the receivers. And, you know, it's, it's tough, you know. Th- this offense is – it revolves around the run. And when you have a running back as good as Dalvin cook and he can break these long touchdowns and, you know, just like when he gets in space, it's just impossible to stop. It's not like they, they even really need to feed Thielen the ball, which is what he's got a lot of his PPR volume on in the past. So yeah, I'm not comfortable with him as top 12 for the rest of the season, but I do think that he's in, uh, you know, like I think you can play him every week. Yeah, so you guys are both saying that it, it might alternate between Justin Jackson or Justin Jefferson and, and Adam Thielen. So I think we definitely really, really need to monitor the cornerback coverage. Like teams could choose to shadow Justin Jefferson over Adam Thielen. We've already seen that this year. So I think that's really interesting. It could swing their values. Very good. Um, and for trades and stuff, it's tough. Like Thielen came into the season so underrated. So it's not likely that he is even your wide receiver one on a roster, you know. And I like obviously I want DK ahead of him. I want Keenan Allen ahead of him, maybe. But it, it's hard to drop AT down far down mm-hmm. the ranks. You know, you just it's just been a couple duds that have really kicked us at the groin yeah. this year. But I just always come back to the run first mentality, the quarterback play. I mean, it was funny to see Kirk Cousins what complete less than a dozen passes last week and get a win because <laughs> I remember the Kubiak like emphasis right in our face last year where Cousins had like ten completed passes or something won that game. But anyways, you you also you worry because this budding rookie wide receiver Justin Jefferson is on pace for like a thousand receiving yards, and yeah. he's quietly leading the team in receiving over Adam Thielen. So I'll ask Brian, I'll ask you about him. Do you think Justin Jefferson is like a solid wide receiver two going forward, and could he pass Adam Thielen in value this year? <clears throat> uh, no, I don't think he's going to pass him in value this year. You know, Thielen seeing Ding. the more of the yeah i know right uh he he's seeing more of the more of the targets more of the percentage and he um jefferson he's he's been very hit or miss you know what does he have two games i think uh i did the math the other day it's like 65 percent of his points for the season is in two of the games that he, he's been on the field so far like, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to go – I'd rather go with the guy that's seeing the more consistent volume. He's the number one focal point for the passing game, not necessarily the whole offense. And I, I really actually like Thielen and Cousins in, in this matchup. Totally. I, I think the market share is really interesting. Like, the key is that this offense is also really condensed, right? Like, it really is just going to those two in the passing game. Thielen is seeing 29% of the team's targets. Jefferson has a 24% chunk of the volume, which is a pretty astronomical volume uh, target uh, market share percentage for a rookie wide receiver. Now, we know those those percentages 
are less valuable in the Vikings offense than they are in most other offenses, but you just don't see multiple wide receivers with that kind of that kind of mm-hmm. target share. And the air yards are just jaw dropping. Over seventy percent of the Vikings air yards in two thousand twenty have gone to Thielen or Jefferson. And to pull it back to fantasy, like the only thing holding Jefferson back in this offense is like the pecking order. Like I I love that you said like Thielen is he's not going to pass him because Thielen's seeing such locked in work right now. Like. The the talent is close, I agree, but for now Thielen is just seeing the way juicier work, especially air yards without you know digs out of the way. Thielen's actually got the second highest share of his team's air yards in the entire NFL, and then the red zone work makes his seven touchdowns like actually yeah. legit. He is dominating the red zone, you know, in, among the wide receiver position inside the ten at the goal, you name it. And Thielen has six touch six of his touchdowns this year on end zone targets alone. And then you look at Justin Jefferson, who has just one end zone target all season. So that's they're really just going to Thielen in the in the end zone and nobody else like nobody else. Thielen has nine of the 13 team targets in the end zone, actually, just outrageously. So it would be like a tight end or something, but they're going to Thielen. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that funny? Like, that's why the tight ends have shit the bed so catastrophically for fantasy this year from the Vikings and for fantasy owners and dynasty owners. And yeah, let's not even talk about those guys. <laughs> You'll make Jimmy cry. Yeah, no doubt. No so, doubt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's a tough one, Irv. Poor bastard. And then Rudolph the Red nosed Reindeer is just like a net zero now, too. Sucks. Oh yeah. He's bound to have a, a one-handed touchdown catch here soon. Just so old. <laughs> oh my god, that was so nice this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that he's got, he's got like one or two every year, and then he does nothing. Mm-hmm. Gets on Sportsnet and he's happy. <laughs> <laughs> nice so, boys. So maybe do you want? Do you guys still have like five ten minutes here, really quick? I I can yeah. do five. Let's do it. Yeah, I can do five minutes. Let me okay, know. so the game the games we're missing Houston and Jacksonville. That's a fifty and a half point total. The Jaguars are seven point underdogs. Do you guys like Houston or Jacksonville in that game? With the seven Houston. points, Houston. I think Houston. Yeah. yeah. Cool. If the Jaguars allow more than 30 points this game, they'll set an NFL record for the most consecutive games with 30 points allowed to the opposing offense. Uh, Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, definitely a big watch in this one, yeah. right? How yeah. mad are you, Jules, about Fire Bowler? Yeah, you know what? Brandon Cooks proved me wrong. Uh, I'll give you that one. And uh, <laughs> mm, um, That's yeah. right. <laughs> But no, you can uh, you can fire him up there. You know he's uh, he he looks like a target hog in that offense. You know how uh, mad? Go on. How mad are you that Will Fuller is not a Green Bay Packer, or did MVS soften that blow quite significantly? No, man, MVS dropped a wide open third down conversion for there's like a three yard catch and it hit his hand. I'm like, man, you can't do that in the NFL. You got to be better. And you know Will Fuller would have been an. Ex- fantastic addition to that Packers offense. So, um, you know, it, it is a bit upsetting, but we got Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, so I think we're doing right. Yeah, Will Fuller and his little dick beaters have been known to drop a deep <laughs> ball or two in his time. Yes, uh, shout out, I've I've stolen a joke from good buddy Trent, who actually changed his team name to When the Luton Starts, which I thought was team name of the year in fantasy so far. Because uh, Jake Luton. I was thinking highfalutin. You can say mm-hmm. hi. Yep. <laughs> yep. I'm looting free this week. Are you guys looting free this week? <laughs> no, it's all looting for me. I, all looting. Because <laughs> I straight up think you could play I'm, him over I'm like Drew Lock. I'm 
I'm I'm actually starting him in uh, the Canada Cup <laughs> this <Nice>. week. <laughs> so yeah, well, big desperation. Play, I'm starting him in Scotty Fishpool. So nice. Totally. So yeah. like, I, and I think like if you're starting, you know, a Keanu Reeves replacement player, you may as well be starting one who's going to bl- against Houston, right, in, in a possible yeah. shootout. And then James Robinson, we love. And yeah. then you know the wide receivers there, you really have some tough decisions to make still, especially when it comes to buying or selling DJ Chark rest of season. The other uh-huh. game we're skipping is the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, is Zeke playing in this one? Is he not? No, he's not. Uh, they are expecting to not have him in the game this week. So fire up your Tony <laughs> Pollards, but be careful with that because <laughs> Pittsburgh's defense is brutal. I know we saw J.K. Dobbins do it last week, but um, the Dallas the running though. game – the Dallas I'm running really game good. is not the Baltimore running game, and it's not the Dallas running game of old either. So um, if you have to start Tony as a flex, you can do it, but don't be expect, don't be, you know, upset if he doesn't put up a 15-point game for you. Um, what do our Steelers fans think about this one? I think this is a great lesson in football. Wait till people see an, an elite offense, an elite defensive line go against like an offensive line of the Cowboys caliber right now. It's going to be, it's going to be a show. What do yeah. you guys, what do you guys think yeah. the total is in this game? <laughs> mm. I'm hitting it on whatever it is. It can't be I in forget the it, but it's going to be lower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what it is. What is it? It's, it's 40. It's, it's 42. Yeah. Oh, There's man. like 20, 24 points scored in this game, and 21 of those go to the Steelers. Yeah. Probably and they're defense. 14. And 21 of that's the defense score. 14 exactly. points, Ty. Woo. 14 point yeah. favorites. I'd probably on be the hitting road. Injuries, man. You know, oh. as a Steelers fan, you do see them like blow a just inexplicable game once every year, usually. Yeah. Ben Roethlisberger still yeah. not had that like five interception game. We all know so. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny I that, think that this game. No, nah, and it, the, like <laughs> all likelihood should not be. It. Same with James Conner, yeah. top five running back this week. Benny Snell might even get in the end zone because of that fourteen point uh, spread. And then you look at mm-hmm. Deontay Johnson, Ju- uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Start and Claypool. Thank God we didn't have to talk about them because they're all like literally wide receiver twenty-two in ECR for Deontay, wide receiver twenty-one for Juju, wide receiver nineteen for Claypool. Oof. You know because they're predicting it's a blow-up spot. Just start them and yeah. hope for the best. Yeah. And Ebron, even you know tight end thirteen in ECR, and then mm-hmm. on the Dallas side, you know we don't have to say anything. Sit Zeke, yeah, Zeke, sit, 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 sit. And mm-hmm. CD Lamb sits at sit. CD Lamb's like shockingly high in expert consensus ranking. So that's mm-hmm. an interesting one. And the other one we didn't start uh, talk about is Chicago and uh, Tennessee. That's another one that's like a better football game than it is anything mm-hmm. to do with fantasy. You got, you know, Allen Robinson. That's about it. That's all I can think yeah. of. Nick, Nick Foles yeah. is probably like a top 20 quarterback in this matchup, though, I think, in a super flex mm-hmm. league. He's very interesting. David Montgomery is probably like a borderline RB1, but. Uh, you know, can he keep up that receiving work? I think that's really interesting what's going on there. Darnell yeah. Mooney, top 40 wide receiver this week, guys. Mm, yeah, on a, yeah. on the chance that Foles can actually hit him with a fucking deep shot because mm-hmm. um, he think... hasn't done it yet. It's going to happen. It's, it's going to within five feet, Trav. 
Yeah, yeah, that's the standard we are holding Big Nick, Big Dick Nick to. Um, at least he's got that hog in his pants, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so I, yeah. I can't, I can't not. Trav, is this the beginning of the end for Ryan Tannehill against the Bears this week? No, it is not. It's not. <laughs> never, it's never not, the end of Tannehill. No. Okay, I don't think Light so. What is what a thrill? Um, definitely sitting him in my books. So like he's not a top twelve quarterback for me this week. Derek yeah, Henry but, is a stud. Yeah. AJ Brown is not a top twelve wide receiver for me. Uh, he's actually wide receiver fourteen in expert consensus rating too. What about Corey Davis, um, who? Oh yeah, that's the guy we should. Yeah, that's the guy we would have hit right. So would you start Corey Davis or Antonio Brown, Jules? Oof. That's close, Tony. Yeah. Who said they would start Devonte Parker earlier that earlier today? I did. Yeah? Was, yeah. Would you start Parker or Corey Davis? Uh, I think I'll, I'll start Corey Davis there. Yeah. I'd start Never. Parker. I think. Trav, what do you got? Uh, is Adam Humphreys out in this game? It doesn't uh, yeah, really he matter. He yeah. Wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's he is. Yeah. Like I guess it matters because Corey Davis could like get into the slot and play some big slot snaps in this game for sure. But uh, I don't think like Chicago is like one of the elite man cover defenses. So I don't think Adam Humphreys is factoring the game plan a lot. Johnny Smith is really just one of those fluctuators. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I had to make a decision between Johnny and Evan Ingram this week. I, I almost just jumped off the bridge that I was standing on <laughs> while I was trying to make that decision. Um, I wish I had, I was thinking, I wish I had Jared cook. That's how annoying that situation felt. <laughs> The only other game we didn't do was uh, the New York Giants at Washington. That's a that's an ugly one. Three we wins between them. You know who I love in that one? I Nobody. love Washington's defense in that game. Oh yeah, good call. Yeah, dude, yeah. Kendall Fuller is probably the best cornerback in football right now. Mm -hmm. yeah, and that incredible. that DSP is actually top five in um, basically every statistical category against the run against the pass. Um, Riverboat Ron. So far. And you know I. We know what Daniel Jones does with the football in his hand. It's not complete mm -hmm. passes. You mean the bread loaf? You're referring to the bread <laughs> loaf, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. three wins, three and wins if between you those teams. Still play with defenses in your league. Get them out. Mm -hmm. I have to agree, but <laughs> I don't run all my leagues. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't mind it. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> I'm only half joking there. I'm only half joking. I'm a little bit old school in that I don't actually hate when there's a kicker in a defense in the league. Depending on the league, like if it's dynasty, no thanks. But if it's a redraft, I'll, I'll play with it. That's fair, especially in redraft. Hot take. Yeah. Hot take. Now, hot take. Then you, get, then you get the fun of uh, of streaming defenses and stuff too. It's not. It's uh, kind of fun. Yeah, I just take Pittsburgh. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Ask I've, been taking I've, been, the Patriots, I've, been, I've been riding Pittsburgh in that ESPN league we're in, Ty. Uh -huh. Fuck, that defense has been awesome. I currently have my defense spot uh, empty right now because I think I'm taking a loss in that in that league Just this gonna week. Flex? Just going to flex on your opponent? Yeah, I had Tunyon in the lineup. I had Hasty in that lineup. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Hasty <laughs> fuck, yeah. Yeah. My whole team's like decimated in that one. Like, I do have Christian McCaffrey coming back. I have Pat Mahomes. <laughs> That's not a bad team. So, yeah. Aaron Jones, time. Aaron Jones coming back. So, 
I am we'll surging. I am surging. I know. It's um, so unfair. Like two weeks ago, my team looked great. And now most are like everyone on that team has just been decimated. Though. I beat so, you. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That was um, my first loss of the season, I think. It was. Week. Yeah, it was. Taking down Juggernaut left, right, and center here. Um, what do we think? What do we think about riding out here, boys? That was uh, quite the run we had tonight. Just about three and a half motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thanks so much got, for staying, guys. We got through most of the games. One last game was the Monday Nighter. We didn't hit the New England Patriots and the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. I, don't know. I totally um, forgot. Yeah, it's Save not really a super <laughs> interesting <laughs> game. Except for maybe Damian Harris. I'm down for Damian Harris. Um, but aside from that, yeah, I think we had a good one tonight, Jacoby gentlemen. Myers. The the old Yahoo drop somebody before waivers. So just like speculatively add him, drop the guy you're going to drop in waivers the next day, pick up Jacoby Myers on Monday morning. Boom. And, Um, and Denzel Mims, who has been exceptional outside of every quarter. That isn't the first quarter of the season. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we got uh, our man, Brian Bailey at the FF aviator. Thank you for stopping by Brian. Much appreciated, dude. Yeah, man. This is fun. uh, Having another extended session with you guys. Are you surprised? (laughs) Are you really surprised? No, no, not, not for TNFF. And Jules, we can find you at the point af af <laughs> at the point after ff at the point after ff. Um, thanks yeah, for coming, buddy. I appreciate it. It's an hour later for you where you're at, so uh, thanks for sticking it out with us. Yeah, man, I'm, I was happy to be here. It was a lot of fun. I uh, I appreciate you boys. I learn a lot when I get to come on here with you guys. So it's a pleasure. Nice, man. Yeah. And Ty at TNFF Tyrell, dude, I want to just give a big thank you to you because you lined up the show sheet for our Saturday night sessions. Uh, you're doing an awesome job with that, keeping us in line, keeping us on track. So we appreciate that a ton. Um, yeah. Thanks, buddy. It was a good Saturday night. My pleasure. I'll try and be more on point next week. I was a little uh, off my game tonight. Maybe I'll, uh, it was good. You know, I'll do a little <laughs> less West Coast in next week for sure. Oh, it's good, man. It's good. We uh we're all just kind of feeling this out. This is only our second episode, so hopefully anybody who tuned in liked the content that they stuck around for. Uh please come back next week. We will have it out as an audio uh, as an audio version. So if you want to flip over there and give us a DL on that, we'd be pumped for that. Find the work at truenorthffb.com on Twitter at truenorthffb and until next week, peace out guys. <laughs>